I want to talk to you. The last time we talked, Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you it won't happen again. Do I attract you? Do I repulse you with my queasy smile? Am I too dirty? Am I too flirty? Do I like what you like? Yeah, I could be wholesome. I could be loathsome. Guess I'm a little bit shy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me without making me try? I try to be like Chris Kelly. Up the batteries. If you gave 
Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. Ríe, ríe, llora, te queda mucho por andar tu vez. 
listening to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. How many genders are there? Two. And they are? Male, female. But what about someone's right to tell you what their gender is? No problem at all. So it's you, you're going to tell me what your gender is, but in the world is less fucked world, I don't have to believe it, but I'm thrilled for you. You're a lampshade. I'm so happy. Let me put a light bulb up your arse. Brilliant. Don't require me to think what you think. Okay. Constantly seek criticism. Yeah. Uh, a, a, well, a well thought out critique of whatever you're doing is as valuable as gold. Um, and you should seek that from everyone you can, but particularly your friends. 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The U.S. military has confirmed the crash of an American F-16 fighter jet near South Korea. This incident is the third crash involving a U.S. warplane in the region in less than a year. The fighter jet went down early Wednesday morning into the waters off the coast of Gunsan, South Korea, close to the Kunsan Air Base. The pilot of the F-16 was compelled to eject from the aircraft and was subsequently rescued by Seoul's emergency services. Colonel Matthew C. Geika commander of the 8th Fighter Wing, stated that the investigations into the cause of the in-flight emergency are ongoing and details will be released upon their conclusion. He emphasized that the current focus is on the search and recovery of the downed aircraft. The rescued pilot has been taken to a medical facility for evaluation. Meeting in California in November, U.S. President Joe Biden reportedly requested Chinese leader Xi Jinping to refrain from interfering in the 2024 U.S. presidential election according to CNN. Xi is said to have assured Biden that China would not involve itself in the election process. This conversation was part of high-level talks between the two leaders, with Biden initiating the topic. The issue of foreign interference in U.S. elections has been a recurring concern since Donald Trump's election in 2016, often highlighted by Democrats. Despite various claims of foreign election interference, concrete evidence has been elusive as seen in Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation in 2019, which found no collusion between the Trump campaign and Moscow. Additionally, in the intelligence report on alleged interference by Russia, China, Iran, and Cuba in the 2022 midterm elections was released with significant redactions. Both Beijing and Moscow have consistently denied allegations of meddling in American elections. However, U.S. officials have continued to voice these concerns. Last week in Bangkok, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken sought a similar commitment from Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, who, like Xi, assured that China would not interfere in the upcoming U.S. election, as per CNN's report. The Bundesbank, Germany's central bank, reported a significant increase in counterfeit euro banknotes discovered within the country in 2023. Approximately 56,600 fake notes were identified, amounting to a total value exceeding 5 million euros. This marks a 28% rise in counterfeit currency cases compared to 2022. Bundesbank board member Burkhard Baltz attributed this surge primarily to several large-scale fraud incidents, predominantly involving fake 200 and 500 euro banknotes. Despite this uptick, 
Footballs emphasize that these figures are still lower than the peak in 2015, when 95,400 counterfeit euros were detected. He reassured the public that the likelihood of encountering counterfeit money remains minimal, with an estimated average of seven fake notes per 10,000 residents in Germany. The use of cash continues to be prevalent in Germany, the European Union's largest economy, where nearly 60% of transactions are conducted in cash, as per a recent Bundesbank study. The military is set to deliver a new advanced munition to Ukraine, marking the first shipment of its kind. Developed by Boeing, this ground-launched small-diameter bomb boasts a maximum range of 145 kilometers. The GLSDB, which has recently completed its final test by the Pentagon, is expected to significantly enhance Ukraine's long-range strike capabilities. An official described the munition as an additional asset for Ukraine, expanding its ability to conduct deeper strikes and complementing its existing long-range fire arsenal. While the U.S. military has not disclosed a specific date for the shipment, Pentagon spokesman Major General Pat Ryder confirmed that the bombs would be provided as part of the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. For details regarding the delivery of the munition, the U.S. will defer to Ukrainian authorities. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. Well, you're a bit quick, James, but I like you. Five minutes past five. Very good morning to you this morning. Uh, we better play, better, better, better do it. Hey, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We sure would love you to do that. We're on all the social, major social platforms, including, of course, Facebook, Twitter, now X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter, among others. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Oh, I've got nothing ready. I, I, I slept in this morning. I, 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 well, you just better get on with it, hadn't you? Put, put that weather one on. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. All right. Uh, yes, weather. We've got some weather here. Uh, whether or not I'll be able to find it or not is another story. Uh, hang on. We'll just... There. there we are, we're up, we're all set. Okay, extremes, let's look at the extremes. Well, we're certainly behind the eight ball this morning. We're up early enough, up as, up the sparrows this morning. And uh, now where is the weather digger? Oh, sorry, I don't think Okay, got it there. All right, um, extremes, yes, Whangarei, 19 and a half. A little bit cooler this morning in Whangarei, but it's still the warmest. I just get, can you turn that thing down a bit? It's just a bit loud for me. Oh, so I can find it. We're in a bit of a pickle this morning. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Okay, got it. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that level. All right, Wangarei, 19 and a half. Tianel at 10 degrees this morning. And uh, we've got the windiest place is Manukau, actually, in South Auckland there. Uh, 26 kilometres, but it's not very windy, is it? Milford have got a bit of drizzle there, 0.4 millimetres of rain as we speak. Uh, the temperatures right across the main centres now. We'll start with Auckland. Kaitai, 19 degrees. Wangarei, 20 degrees, along with Auckland. Did I say Kaitai? Yeah, Auckland 20 and Wangarei also. Hamilton's on 15, Tauranga 19, Rotorua 16 and Taupo 16 as well. 14 in Gisborne, it's really cooled off there, but it's probably going to come up. It's supposed to be quite warm again today, uh, you know, up around the 30s, according to Philip Duncan. New Plymouth down at the foot of uh, Mount Egmont there, 13 degrees. Uh, Napier's on 13. Masterton, 12 degrees this morning, and Wellington's on 17. Moving down to the South Island, Nelson's on 19. And the wonderful Blenheim, quite a big drop there, 10 degrees this morning. Christchurch 16, France Joseph 13, Timaru's on 14, and uh, the Chathams out there to the uh, east or west, 
Um, it would be west, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, east, yes, east, out to the east. Yeah, I'm very confusing. Left and right, you know, push and pull, those sorts of things confuse me. Uh, Chatham Islands, 18 degrees. Queenstown, 13 degrees and even 14. We had Timaru at 14, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, Wellington, now we've got Wellington. Invercargill, 11 degrees. And Stewart Island is uh, 10 degrees this morning. Have I missed anybody else? Got everybody, I think. Frank, we've got Westport there. Harry, Harry, you're on 11 this morning. Um, all right, now we've got a, there's a, a little bit of a problem there. Isn't there? Yes, we have, yes. We're, all right, we're on, our, we're on our way. Yeah, good morning. There's seven minutes past. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it, it's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNT Radio.live. Ubiquitous. That's ubiquitous. Homosexuality also happens in nature. Do they have. You want, you, want, you want to go to that? Or let's go to that. So you're saying because animals do this particular action, it should be. No, we're using that as a standard for human beings, yeah? Not as a standard, but it's like. Okay. It's not unfamiliar in the animal world. Animals eat their young. So should we be eating babies? No. Why not? Animals do it. Animals do incest. Should we be doing it? No. So do you realize, no disrespect, about how ridiculous using animals as a source of morality is not the greatest mor- source of morality? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's what I say. All right. Now let's have a look and see what happened on this day in history. The 1st of February. Having a birthday today. Good morning and happy birthday to you. I uh, hope it's a good one for you. On In 1842, the New Zealand settlers, the first ones, arrived in Nelson. The Fife was the ship they came on. Probably about a 500-ton ship. Wouldn't have been ex, probably a former convict ship. They did a lot of that with the, with the first ones that came over. Uh, Fife she arrived in Nelson with immigrants from the new, for, for, for the New Zealand Company's first settlement in the South Island. We'll look at that a bit later on. Also on this day in 1922, Correspondence School founded Janet McKenzie. She became the first teacher and what was to become the correspondence school. But it wasn't for kids that were naughty. It was for back block children, you know, ones that were out in the farm there. Some of them couldn't even read or write, apparently, according to, according to Mackenzie. But she got stuck and did a good job. And also on this day, remember the underarm bowling incident, Trevor Chapel. Yes, he, he bowled underarm. Trans-Tasman Sporting Relations hit a new low, didn't they? <laughs> With the Melbourne Cup cricket ground it was. That's where it was. Uh, Australian captain Greg Chappell, he ordered his brother Trevi, hey, Trev, bowl an underarm. And he did. He bowled an underarm. Back then it was legal, uh, but it was frowned upon. Uh, it, was a, it was a final delivery of a 50-over cricket international against uh, New Zealand. Uh, an underarm. In other words, along the ground. Oh, not good to do that, is it? No, not good at all. All right, we'll be back in a minute with uh, what's happening on the newspapers. Uh, yes, we're having trouble finding things this morning, aren't we? Here we are. Hey, can you play that, um, you know, that one we used to play on the uh, podcast, you know, when the one was got Jacinta Ardern saying, uh, I think it is possible to be in Parliament without telling lies. Righto, we'll do that right now. Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No, no. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the socialist community. Oh, right. yes, yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. Comrade, 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 comrade. It was in 2009. Oh, well, I can't remember which country it was in. Has changed since those days? No, not particularly. No. 
If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally misleading the New Zealand public, how would you expect to be held to account? Well, I actually believe that it is possible to exist in politics without lying. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Sustained propaganda. Yes, but the only thing is she she thinks it's impo- it, it is possible to exist in politics without telling a lie. But not she can't, though, can she? She told lots of lies. She did. She did. She told lots of lies. All right, we're over at the Otago Daily Times. No, we've got rich stuff this morning. You'll find them at stuff, S-T-U-F-F, absolutely stuffed. As some people call it stuff.co.nz. And the Labour Party says the use of Andrew Tate and an image of him in an Instagram post was a bit of a mistake. An image of the controversial influencer was, was used in a post by the, um, the Labour Maori caucus. <laughs> Yeah, that would be not the right look. Although it probably is, and it probably wasn't a mistake. They're probably just a, a bad a bad judgment, and then they just backtracked on it. Now, the war motions, apparently, according to Niwa, can we can we believe anything that Niwa says at this time of the morning, 12 minutes past five? I don't know. The marine heat wave is contributing to New Zealand's uh, unusually hot weather, apparently, according to, um, according to Niwa. I don't think I believe that. Calvin Davis, he delivers his valedictory speech, Watson, valedictory speech. Um, well, that's when they say, ta see you later. And sometimes they're nice to people, and sometimes they're nice. They say all the things that have been pent up, you know, valedictory. Uh, yeah. And Honi Harawiwa, oh, gosh, what a family. Uh, a brother's on trial for historic child sex abuse charges. A member of the Maori activist family and brother of the former politician is allegedly to have repeatedly, oh, goodness me, raped and indecently assaulted uh, a young girl under the age of 12, we're talking, at various marais and, or oh, well, they say marais. Oh, it's marais, isn't it? Yes, like they say Maori, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I and we say Maoris, don't we? We do, because it's plural, isn't it? Well, they don't do it that way, do they? They go Maori, and that means everybody. And then same with marai. That could be plural or singular. All right, yeah. Right, that's right. Well, anyway, so tell us about them. Well, no, I better not. I'll t- I'll tell you. Um, now, look, we, that is very interesting because Titify was the old the old mum, wasn't it? Now she was always. Now everyone thinks she was just this wonderful activist, but in the late nineteen eighties, we did a bit of digging, didn't we? Dig a years we did, and um, she established the Fari Paya Mental Health Unit at the um, Maori, you know, at the what do they call it? A unit for Maori at Carrington Hospital in the ni- in nineteen eighty nine, and she was jailed for nine months for assaulting a patient with four other staff members also convicted, including her daughter and son. She she claimed that the victim had sexually assaulted a staff member. However, the sentencing judge called the attack an arrogant and frightening abuse of authority and power and noted that Haruba should have used her authority to prevent the assault. News website staff noted that the incident, but notice they didn't say anything this time, did they, in their report? No, but we did, didn't we? We did a bit of digging. We did. We did a bit of digging. That's what you're there for, digger, to dig things out for me. Um, news, the news website Stuff uh, noted that the, the incident, and we're reading from Stuff, remember, but they missed all this. Why did they miss this? Uh, the incident overshadowed her uh, lauded work, apparently, uh, with Maori Health Initiatives. As a consequence uh, of her conviction, she was unable to stand for election of, to the, that's the Auckland Area Health Board in 1989, and planned... Uh, rather as planned, yeah, and her nomination to be on the Maori Advisory Committee to the Auckland City Council. So there you are. That's 
That's what she did. And yet, you know, stuff there saying all these lovely things about her. But, yeah, well, they, they don't mention it. They come from a bad family. They're just a bad, bad bunch. A bad bunch of bastards is what they are. You shouldn't really say that, should you? No, that's not. Um, all right, what else have we got? Now, that car that was engulfed in flames yesterday, two victims, two victims apparently, there have been uncertainty about how many people were actually involved in the, in the fiery crash in the morning. And it's just a little bit of a lump, you know, just get down off the side of the road. It's probably wouldn't even be two metres to where this big tree is. And you can see all the leaves that, are, that have been singed. So they just went, but it is a bit steep the way it goes down off the road. So they've been driving along the road there. And it's, I mean, it could be a suicide, you know, just turned into a tree or just slipped off the road because it slips away. So I can see how they did go down there. Very dangerous, I think. I don't think they should have trees so close to the road. There should be a law. You know how they're trying to make us where we're not allowed to farm on the hill country? You know, they, this is, these are the new rules, the water, the pure water rules, just rubbish. They, they're going to say that you've got to put a fence uh, 10 metres um, either side of a waterway. So that, if that's the case, uh, you know, that's just to stop the cows getting near there. And that's going to be rubbish because that grass is going to grow. And it's, you know, there's nothing, it's just going to be hopeless, isn't it? And then you have to, you know, how, how do you get in there and get rid of all the, you know, all the blooming, the growth that's going to get in the riverway and block it up and silt up? It's just going to be hopeless. But anyway, that's what they're going to do. So why don't we say, well, look, what, if you're going to be tough with us, why don't we have a 10-metre rule that you have to have a, um, any trees can be no closer than 10 metres from the edge of any road? There we are. That would stop people being killed by trees or committing suicide by tree because trees don't move. I can remember the very first time uh, I heard, I, I thought, gosh, a tree, far out. There was, this, there was these young people, and they oh, must have been alcohol, or probably not drugs in those days back in the 70s, but they were absolutely flying. They went down Newton Road, heading west, across Kay Road, at such speed, they just like flew into the air. And then on the, other, on the right-hand side, there's a big old, I think it's like an oak tree, and they smacked into that, and they were apparently doing, over, you know, doing about 80 mile an hour or something. The cops were chasing them, probably. I think they were. And uh, all four of them killed, boom, like that. But don't you think it's a bit weird that cars are um, just, just bursting into flames at the moment? And there's, there's another one where the car flipped upside down. It's almost like, to me, don't you think, Digger? Yeah, well, this is a bit suspicious. Well, it's sort of like, um, was it a bomb? You know? I mean, what would make a car just like explode and then flip over? I don't, I don't know. It just seems a bit weird to me. Cars don't normally burst into flames it's kind of a bit weird anyway so that is that there so you've got good old um titify hara we were there no she so she's she's pretty old now she's be about 90 i think but they, you know they've got their kids kids there just following in her footsteps aren't they you know just rotten family holly hara we were and he's a bad bugger there you know during the um during the lockdowns you know it was him he was up there trying to stop white people basically he was just trying to stop white people going up to their holiday homes that was what it was all about just jealousy any excuse to stop you and right now i bet you he's behind it up in the north there trying to stop that fishing competition just crazy just get on with being a new zealander mate and forget about all your whatever it is just forget about it just be a kiwi can't you i mean most of you 90 percent 90 most maoris are 90 percent european anyway You've got spanish and chinese in them I mean, you, you didn't come here on, you didn't paddle here on a flipping dugout. You came here on ships. <laughs> of course you did. Don't tell lies. It's a good story, isn't it? I suppose you, wouldn't, you might be a slave ship. It could have been slave ships. And they probably didn't want the kids to know that, so they made up a story. 
So who was the sea captain, the captain of the slave ship? And there was um, what was it, who who was the guy that fished up the um, was not Tane? That's a that's a sort of a pagan thing from the Middle East. Uh, who was the one that um, fished up Maui? Yeah, Maui. Maui. Apparently, I've been reading some books about this, and apparently Maui was was basically just a ship captain on board a sort of a whaling ship or an exploration ship or something like that from some probably Middle Eastern or South American, because all the ones in South America, they came from the Middle East anyway. They all did. They were far more skillful seafarers than we give them credit, um, really. They all came from the Middle East. I mean, Solomon, he, him and the king of Assyria, they had a sort of an alliance there, and the king gave Solomon one of his wives. Solomon had 700 wives. I think, I think about 700. Is that what he, about 1,000 concubines. Quite a few. What are concubines for? I suppose. Just for pleasure, I suppose. Had some of them. You know, he seemed to be all right. God seemed to be seemed to have blessed him, seemed to be okay. But he sent ships out. My point is he's he sent ships out on three year voyages. Now well, you don't need three years to go around the Mediterranean, do you? But it's around about a three year voyage, you know, sixty thousand nautical miles to go right round uh the oh, you know, round the earth. And so I would say that they would have sailed here. I guarantee. You, I bet. You, I bet you. And if, if, when the truth comes out one day, when the Lord returns, it'll be that the actual the Arabs and the um, you know in the alliance, the Arabs and the Hebrews. That's the Jewish people. The Hebrews. They were. They came here first. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you. That's the way it is. They're so clever too. You know, and they're they're just very clever people, aren't they? Apparently, the Ashkenazi Jew has the highest IQ. Of anyone else in the world, that on average, the Ashkenazi Jew, they're very intelligent people. That's why they're rich, and that's why most people hate them. Why? Because they're rich, and they're in the Bible. That's right, all the Bible stories. But I don't know how people can be anti-Semitic, when especially you kids that went to Sunday school. You know, you had David and Goliath. You know, and all about um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all that, and all the promises that they're going to have all that land. And Ezekiel 36 says all the land, even the Gaza. Gaza belongs to the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the, the, the Israelis. Oh, yeah, but they're not the real ones. Oh, is that what they say, Digger? Yeah, they say they're, they're, they're Jew. They say they're Jews, but they're not. Oh, no, I have read that. But I, I don't think this is the case, is it? I think it's quite miraculous that in 1948, the Jews came back into the land. They came back, all the way back into the land, and um, that was a prophecy. He said, I'll bring you, I'll draw you from the four corners of the earth back into the land which I promised you. Can you quieten down over there? All right. Now, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you back into the land which I promised you. 22 minutes past five, too, by the way, before I get too carried away. We better get back to news, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, they they are not they people don't accept them, and it's just any excuse they say, oh no, well, no, we're not anti-Semitic. No, we don't hate Jews. It's just that um, we don't like Israel. We don't like their policies. Yeah, well, that's another issue. <laughs> they, look, that land belongs to them. Okay, you won't make a liar out of the Bible. You won't, you're not going to make a liar out of God. It belongs to them. They are the they are the indigenous people of that land. They won it in conquest. It's always been won in conquest. They won it. About the 13th century or something like that, I think it was Joshua won it. It was promised to them by God in the Bible. And the Bible, when the Bible says something, it always comes true. So, you know, sorry, sorry, you can be ignorant. You can be willingly ignorant if you like, but it's going to happen. So you can all get stuffed. <laughs> it's going to happen. So don't you, come, don't you come around here with your flipping Minto anti-Semitism there. Gosh, he's an angry man, isn't he, Minto? 
Oh, you're a bit angry this morning. Last month. No, not really. Okay, now today is the 1st of February. A pinch and a punch for the first of the month and no returns, as uh, my wives used to say. Um, wives? You've had more than one. Oh, I've had a few. Uh, national, uh, national, uh, nationwide recycling changes happen today. This Thursday today, isn't it? Yes, Thursday today. Um, this is what you need to know. Oh, we don't need to know. They get changes. I think it's 135 and whatever numbers on the side of it there. You'll, you'll find out. It'll be written on there. Anyway, you would have got a message in the people that live with letterboxes and things. No, we don't, do we? Do? No. Uh, recycling rules about the changes that, oh, yeah, right throughout the moto. What the? What's a moto? I don't know. Moto, moto. The rules come as part of the new initiative to standardise the recycling service across the country. Uh, it has to be done by by Agenda 2030. Oh, I suppose it is. Yeah, 2030 a uh, year. Got to be done three years early. They want to go and they're doing it now, but really it's secretly it's the Agenda 2030. But they don't want to put that in there because if they do, uh, it just kind of looks like the conspiracy theorists. They go, oh look, see, I told you, don't they? Yeah. So that anyway, the strategy is just rubbish because what they do is they they get you to put them all in different little bins, you know, like good little soldiers. You behave like good little children, put the green bottles in there and the white bottle over the amber bottle goes over there. And then they come along with the truck with the man with the bow tie. We heard, we heard the rubbish collector with the bow tie. That's just good, isn't it? Cheer you up. And he comes in and then he takes it down and he puts it in a spurt suit near you. And then it all goes into the landfill. The whole lot. Get some glass out of there. I just think it's amazing they don't make more stuff out of it. Like there's one bloke doing fence posts here in New Zealand, but gosh, what a price they are. What a price. But these they don't snap off, I suppose. And you can bang a nail into it, you know, like bang a staple into it, which is quite good. Um, so anyway, so that's happening today. So you've got four councils that they're unable to meet the deadline, apparently. Ah, why not? They've got till 2027, says here. Clutha, Hurunui, Westland District Council. They will add glass to their collection while the Gore District Council needs to add paper and plastic. Ah, oh, it's all fooey. Just chuck it in a hole. <laughs> Chuck it at home, mate. You'll be right. Yeah, you'll be right. All right. Where are we? Did we read that? Oh, we're at Radio New Zealand. Oh, gosh, what are we doing there? We're over at the Otago Daniel. No, we're at Stuff. That's right. We're looking at Stuff. Now, that car was engulfed in flames. Two victims. Now, I wonder if they've got the update on that. We might have to go. Yes, it was a horror crash. Two people were killed in a fiery crash in South Taranaki. Police have confirmed. But I don't think they can confirm that because um, that happened on Wednesday night at about, oh, Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah, no, in the morning, on the way to work, 10 to 6, must have been on the way to work. That was at Mountain Road and Boylan Roads for you listening down there, uh, near Eltham, lovely down there. Uh, Blair Enzor, he's the reporter, but I think that might be a bit old, that's its stuff, so we'll go to RNZ, they'll have an update on it. Because I'm pretty sure I saw something last night that they, they couldn't tell whether there were more people in, because it was charred bodies. I mean, this thing was absolutely burnt out. Just like, caught on fire. That seems very strange to me. Very strange. The cars, I mean, I don't think it was an electric car, was it? I don't know. Um, so where is it? Now I've got, got to find the, the jolly thing. Uh, scientists, no, no, no. Oh, well, we'll just have... Oh, here we go. Yeah, drivers of the two vehicle crashed. The police confirmed two dead. Oh, it is the same. Um, they have confirmed that two people died after the fiery crash in Taranaki on Wednesday morning. South Taranaki Response Manager Senior Sergeant Andrew Russ said the two vehicles collided at the intersection of Boylan Road. We got that in Mountain Road, 6 a.m., just before 6 a.m. The car was caught alight. The car which caught alight was already fully involved when firefighters arrived on the scene. Fire and Emergency New Zealand tell us that. The uh, the Disaster Victim Identification Unit had to, well, they had to be called them in. So that means 
That means that they must be so badly burnt they couldn't t- tell who was who in there. The Disaster Victim Identification Unit had been working to find out the, the number of fatalities in the crash because it had been unclear to the first responders at the scene. So that's no good. The unit finished their assessment late yesterday afternoon. Oh, okay, and they found that the drivers were the only people in the, the vehicles, according to Russ. He said, oh, yeah, thoughts in, uh, with the victims, and they are too, and from us here as well. Uh, terrible. The investigation uh, by the cr- serious crash unit is ongoing. There we are. So, okay, yeah, we thought there was going to be more involved than that. Now, um, what else have we got? Work and income. They lack the empathy, apparently, sending people back to jail, criminologist. What does that mean, sending people back to jail? The lack of empathy from work and income case managers is sending people back to jail, an Auckland criminologist says. Radio New Zealand has revealed former prisoner Sajay Singh was shouted at by the... Oh, we read that yesterday. Shouted at him, didn't he? Yeah, he says, shut up. And you should be thankful. Go back to India. You know, that sort of stuff. Radio New Zealand's revealed that, you know, the Ministry of Social Development has since apologised to him. Ah, oh, he's a big fat Indian there. He doesn't do any work. He needs to go to work. Get You stop eating carbohydrates and get feel, feel some energy. It makes you dumb and fat. Stop eating carbohydrates. The worst thing you can do, stop the Coca-Cola. Stop the Coca-Cola. And if you're going to have a burger, burgers are good, but chuck out the bun and throw away all the other rubbish that's in there and just eat the meat. It costs a fortune, though, doesn't it? You're better off going down to the butcher shop and buying a, a, a kg of meat. That'll last you. Buy seven kgs for the, for the whole week. What would, that, what would it be, $10? I don't know. We don't buy it. Um, it would be like $10 a kg. Would it be that much? I don't know. 15 15 Anyway, you'd be better off just living on that. Until the butcher add more mince, uh, more fat to it, you need more fat. That's the trouble. They're, they're telling us lines. It's all rubbish, folks. Twenty eight nine minutes past five. Is it five? Gosh, early already. Um, yeah. So you don't need all that fat. Uh, so you do need fat. You, they're telling you lies about. Oh gosh, I'm all confused this morning. They they're saying to you that fat is bad. And you know what about cholesterol and all this? You know how you feel. You don't need to worry. But you don't need to go to a doctor. You say you feel all right. I feel good. Well, that's good then. Just carry on. You look good, your eyes are good, your skin looks good. There's something coming out on the skin that's usually an indicator there's something wrong on inside. You know, or, or the body just getting rid of some toxins, usually. And when you get a cold or a flu, it's not really, it's just your body just getting rid of toxins. That's all it is. Let it go. Go to bed and sweat it out. That's what my dad used to say. Um, don't, don't do what he used to do, take a discipline or something. No, you don't do that. That's a bit silly, but, you know, but that's allopathy. You know, that's the, that's the doctors interfering, you know, through the years. No, they're quite dangerous for you. You shouldn't have those things. And, you know, it's not too much booze. Lay off the fags if you can. Fags? Yeah, lay off them. You can't say fags on the radio. I know. Anyway, you know, I, got, I, got, I got banned on Facebook the other day. Um, half past five, too, by the way. Good morning. And, uh, yeah, half past five. And I got banned for writing fags and something. I was talking about the 16th century uh, people, you know, the, the martyrs. In England, they burnt them at the stake in places like Oxford. If they didn't believe that the little wafer was the real body of Christ, they said, "No, no, it's just—it's not the real body of Christ. It's just a—it's just a it's symbolic of his body that was broken. It wasn't—he was standing in his body when he said, "This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me." He was actually standing his body, so it couldn't have been the bread, could it? <laughs> or the wafer? And they didn't have wafers, did they? I'm sure they just had unleavened bread. And then the wine, which only the priest can drink. Funny that, isn't it? Well, it costs a lot to, you know, in the Catholic Church, they're a bit tight. You know, they don't want to spend too much money on wine. And so only the priest is allowed to guzzle it. 
but everyone else, you know, uh, uh, that's why I think they left. The Protestants left the Catholic Church uh, so that they can drink more wine, um, so they can actually have a bit of a taste uh, in the morning there, a little, you know, a bit of bread and wine. But bread and wine is a bit yucky, isn't it, together, if you think about it. You know, cheese and wine, wine and cheese would be all right. It'd be good if it was cheese, wouldn't it? But then, you know, there's a, there's a, actually, we're, we're entering into an, a naughty area here. We shouldn't really, could be a bit disrespectful, so we better not carry on down this track. But cheese would be okay. But no, bread, the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's what he said. I am the bread of life. And he says he's a door as well, but not a literal door. He says, you know, I am the door through which ye enter in. And then another one that says, behold, I stand at the door and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with them and them with me and them, you know, like that. So, yeah, so it's up to us apparently. So we've got this free gift of eternal life, and all we've got to do is accept that, that believe by faith this fairy tale story that he uh, was born by you know into a you know, little virgin girl, gave got pregnant, probably twelve or thirteen year old, probably back then, a little Jewish girl living in the Middle East, uh, got pregnant to God, uh, and then had a baby, had actually God uh, in a, in a human form, uh, which is what the Bible teaches, and it sounds like absolute poppycock doesn't it absolute rubbish but when you look at the necessary elements of uh, whether you can trust that book or not when you look at those and you study them and you think and you think gosh i think if, if if that is true if it does possess the necessary elements of being a divine revelation then perhaps we should believe it perhaps we should but if you find any errors or provable contradictions, these are provable errors and contradictions in the book you're holding in your hand reading, then I would and throw it out because God surely would be perfect, isn't he? I mean, if, if there is a creator all around to look around and see all the wonderful, you know, if it, it was created and didn't just evolve out of a rock, you know, it come from nothing. Where'd the rock come from? <laughs> came from nothing. Never mind the amoeba. It came from nothing. That's what the atheists say. Atheos. No God. There is no God. Well, you know, he must be perfect, mustn't he? And if Jesus was the living word of God, the Bible says he was the living word of God with a capital W. In the King James Bible, it's seven times it says the word, it has the word word, W-O-R-D, with a capital. And it's sort of um, referring to deity because it's referring to Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Of course, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they changed it around. They put a little uh, an indefinite article in there. The word was a God <laughs> with a small g. Yes, because they you know, they're a cult, aren't they? Just a false cult. They've put in a lot of work, though, haven't they, Digger? Yeah, they have. Knocking on doors and stuff. I know, they put in a lot of good work. But, uh, sorry, the Christians were right. The real Christians. Yeah. And the Jews, no, you're not quite right. You're almost there. You're almost there. God sort of took his hand off you there for a couple of thousand years didn't he? Came back, trying to win you, and what did you do? You crucified him. And so, yes, so he's a bit upset about that, and of course then, uh, uh, then we had Adolf Hitler, didn't he? Did a nasty job there, and six million of you were slaughtered. Maybe more. Maybe more. We've got people out there denying that. You know, there's people that are denying the October 7th uh, massacre that 1,200 Israelis were killed. It's funny, isn't it? They were still trying to work out exactly how many were killed now, and yet the the, the Muslim terrorists in Gaza, they know instantly. Oh, 500 killed, you know, the, within an hour. They say there's been 500 killed by that hospital bombing, which turned out to be fake. It actually wasn't the Israelis at all. It was the Palestinian terrorists, the so-called Palestinians. They're all Muslims, basically. There's no Palestinian. They're Muslims. 
they're, they're, they're Arabs, I should say. I've got, my, got that wrong. My brain out of order. More coffee. I get him coffee. You know, good boy. Now, um, they're just Arabs. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. That was invented. Do you realize that? Palestine, it's got Palestinian. That was the Romans. The Philistines lived in Gaza. David, David dealt to them, didn't he? Saul and David and all the others. They were, you know, fighting for them. But they're not the Arab. They're not Arabs. They're a different type of people altogether. They're gone. They're gone because they're probably into bestiality and rubbish like that and, you know, all sorts of vile things. And they, and they, they were just sort of died off with disease, sexually transmitted disease. That's why it's so dangerous to be sleeping around, boys and girls. No, no, you don't want to do that because they, they can only suppress your, your gonorrhea or your syphilis. They can, only, they can only suppress it. That's what it is. I mean, it's like I just spat on your shirt and I just walked up to you right now and just spat right in front, right on your shirt, over your buttons. And there's a big gooby dribbling down the front of your shirt. I know when I say things like gonorrhea, but that's what you've got. When you've got the little little drip there happening, non-specific urethane, no, 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 pelvic inflammatory, no, no. They, they put nice words on it. And STI, they call it, do they? No, and that's a venereal disease is what it is. And you can't get rid of it when you get it. That's why you've got to stay pure until you get married and marry a virgin. I know. Yeah, I know. That's what you got to do. Otherwise, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get sick. The wages of sin is death. You're going to die early from gonorrhea. That's what it is. And then you go to the doctor and you think, oh, get that fixed. He gives you some penicillin or something. You know, it's the same old penicillin they've been giving out for 100 years. And that stops it, but it suppresses it. And you can't suppress things like that. You've got to actually deal with them. The best thing is not to get them at all. Keep your pants on. You know, don't get put in situations where this could happen. Wait till you get married. Keep yourself pure. Otherwise, you'll end up like me. (laughs) You'll end up like most of us. Hanuman, the homeopath, he was so concerned about the state of the health of people, he didn't think the human race would actually last another 100 years, and that was back when he was around the 1920s. He was very concerned. We are full of... Um, psychosis, which is basically gonorrhea. And you see all the little telltale signs, you know, the warts. Well, I don't know if it's right for breakfast. No, <laughs> we won't do this. We won't. We'll go there another day. We'll do that in an evening show, maybe. All right, let's do that. Okay, let's get back to the news. And um, while we're doing that, now, also, we talk about health then. We'll move away from that. Um, health and also climate change as well. They've got it telling us all sorts of bullshit about climate change. Um, let's hear from Piers Corbyn. We haven't heard him from him for a while. Uh, on climate change, and uh, I'll be back and we'll run through the newspapers. There we are, and I'll, I'll be a good boy this morning and, and not talk about things that people don't want to hear about in the morning when they wake up. You don't want to hear the truth, do you? You don't want to know that you're actually, you know, you've got to stay pure. You must stay pure. You cannot go sleeping around, because if you do, you're going to die early. The smog-filled cities and poor harvest are being seen by some environmentalists as signs of climate change. Let's now cross live to London to discuss this with Piers Corbyn. He's an astrophysicist and also founder of Weather Action. Uh, Good to have you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us live there in London. So what we're seeing here is a drastic change in climate, aren't we? Well, climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. In fact, we predicted that there would be extreme heat in uh, East Europe and Russia this uh, summer. And uh, it's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is a combination of solar activity 
and uh, the state of the, the phases of the moon. But hang on, Pierce, uh, wait, wait, fact, excuse me, just a minute. You say this isn't caused by man. How come they're reporting this heat wave is recognized as the worst in a thousand years of recorded history in well, Russia? Well, and uh, surely well, of course. man has got something to do with this, hasn't he? No. Nothing to do with it. The only, the only connection is man is here at the same time as the sun and the moon are doing things. Um, you see, a very similar situation happened about 132 years ago, where there was the same sun, earth, lunar, magnetic states. Um, there was uh, heat waves in Russia, and there were also floods in Pakistan, as now. And in the previous few years, there was also uh, floods in the English summers, uh, also 132 years ago. So these things are dictated by solar activity in the moon. They're nothing to do with mankind and those who say that are just trying to make money out but, of but, but, but are we not going to see this like. are we not going to see this again next year, the year on? I mean it's only well, it's quite recent that that's a very interesting question. These things do come in bursts and we're working on that very question, those forecasts. We did say there would be a series of wet summers in England, for example, uh, which we've had. Now will there be a series of these very hot hot summers in, in Russia, we don't know. We have to work on that. But I assure you, it's nothing to do with carbon dioxide. And if you stop stop driving around Moscow, it won't affect next summer one job. Well, how come then so many climate change scientists uh, disagree with you <laughs> and they get so much support well, for what the, they say? They're on a gravy train. Yes, they're saying. on the gravy train. 90, coming up to 19 minutes to 6. Oh, gosh, the time's flying, isn't it? Now, we didn't give you the short forecast for all New Zealand, so let's do that right now. Now, for Northland Waikato, including the Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty, also for Taramanui, <laughs> it's Taumaranui. Okay, I know. Taupo and also Tai Happy. <laughs> Areas of morning cloud and then fine. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, uh, they're becoming fine this morning. Thank goodness the Murrays didn't get their own way and change all the names to Murray names. I'd be in trouble, wouldn't I? Oh, I could have fun. Uh, Gisborne and the Hawks Bay, you've got fine weather today, more in, in the morning, uh, but isolated afternoon and evening showers inland. For Waitomo to Kapiti, <laughs> you've got uh, mainly fine weather, cloud increasing this evening with a few showers developing. For Wellington, Wairarapa and also Nelson, mainly fine apart from isolated uh, showers in the afternoon. Down in the South Island, you've got Marlborough and uh, Canterbury, you've got partly cloudy, isolated showers developing this morning, some heavy and possibly thundery this afternoon and evening. Buller and Westland. I don't know, have you been to Buller? I don't think I have. I can't remember. I'm sure I must have done. It just seems strange. What do they call it, Buller? Anyway, I don't know. Uh, a few showers developing about Westland this morning, then spreading north for Fiordland and Southland and also Otago. And scattered rain with showers. Uh, possibly heavy falls from North Otago and Dunedin this afternoon and evening. Rain returning to the Fiordland later on this evening. And the Chatham Islands, mainly, uh, mainly just periods of what? What have we got there? Periods of rain, easing to a few showers this evening. So that's good. So there you are. You're all right. I wonder if Philip's got any information there, Mr Duncan. Let's have a look. National News. He normally does. He's talking about Climate Watch. Oh, Thursday. Yes, he's got the Thursday feed. Stormy weather is coming, apparently. He said it isn't too bad. Uh, it's going to be, um, isn't too unsettled ahead of the rough weather on Friday and Saturday. Oh, no. Uh, so today is got, we've got the, um, got a transition day today. It's got a low pressure, a low pressure east of New Zealand moves away and a giant storm in the Southern Ocean tracks by us to the south. And the, uh, then we've got the placement of the, of the Southern Ocean low with the, 
the nearest high near Adelaide. That means that New Zealand will see a southwester flow uh, develop into into some places. Is it going to be today? Yeah, today. Ahead of the gales on Friday and Saturday, so it's going to be blowing. So tie everything down, folks, because we've got that coming from the west to the southwest there, and that's what those winds will be, gale force on Friday and Saturday. The next few days ahead uh, will feel more like we're in the autumn as the westerly winds roar through and the temperatures drop. However, it's short-lived. It's going to all be all right by Sunday and Monday. We'll be back to normal again. <laughs> There we are. Now, we, we did it We did it on this day in history. No, you're having a birthday, are you? Happy birthday. 17 minutes away from six, and hopefully we'll have some TNT radio news for you at six. Let's go over to Radio New Zealand now and have a listen to their five, five o'clock bulletin. Uh, hopefully it's, and, oh, this, today it might not be Vicky Mackay. She's lovely. I, like, I used to like listening to her at night. Listen to Vicky, just lovely person. RNZ News at five. Morena, I'm Vicky Mackay. Good morning. Documents show defence officials began pitching the benefits of joining the AUKUS military alliance months ago. The Defence Minister, Judith Collins, is expected to raise the prospect of joining the non-nuclear part of the deal, called Pillar 2, in talks with her counterpart in Melbourne today. Pillar 2 is focused on developing and sharing military technology between the AUKUS partners, Australia, the UK and the US, including drones and hypersonics. Ms Collins told Australian media that New Zealand must not freeload and might even be able to help out through its space industry. A former police officer says the compulsory fitness test is too hard and needs to change if police want to recruit and retain more officers. The government has acknowledged it's going to be hard to deliver on the coalition agreement to train 500 new officers within two years. Gavin Benny, who was in the force for 30 years, says the physical competency test for serving officers, which includes dragging a body and climbing a high wall, is irrelevant. He says few police do those things in frontline work. Three or four officers have to leave every year because they can't pass the fitness test. Business and consumer credit defaults are up as tough economic conditions make it difficult for some people to pay their bills. The credit reporting firm Centrix says business defaults rose 27% in the year ended December over the year earlier, while liquidations rose 16%. And the number of households behind on payments rose nearly 1% in December from November. Centrix says 2024 is likely to be another tough year until interest rates fall and the cost of living comes down. The heads of UN aid agencies have issued a joint statement warning the decision by a number of countries to suspend funding to the Palestinian Refugee Agency will have catastrophic consequences for the people of Gaza. The UN is investigating allegations that UNRWA staff were involved in October's Hamas attacks. It says it has also fired several employees after being briefed on the allegations made by the Israeli government. An anti-war politician who wants to challenge Vladimir Putin in Russia's upcoming election says he's presented enough signatures to stand. Boris Nadezhdin says he has collected more than the required 100,000 by today's deadline. The BBC's Danny Eberhardt reports. This submission doesn't mean Boris Nadezhdin will get on the ballot. Many believe the electoral authorities will disqualify him in the validation process. But thousands have queued across Russia of late, often in the snow, to back Mr Nadezhdin's candidacy nevertheless, at a time when more high-profile opposition figures are either jailed or in exile. No one has any illusions as to who will win in March. 
Short of something unforeseen, President Putin, the man who's run Russia continuously for a quarter of a century, will be re-elected. Mr Nadezhdin said he hoped that while the election might not end the Putin era, it might at least mark the beginning of the end. Back home, police will be monitoring large numbers of mongrel mob members travelling through Porirua this morning for a funeral. The procession will go from Cannons Creek through Tawa, ending up at Tapu Cemetery at 10am for the service. Police say they'll be visible in the area around the cemetery. They're urging all motorists to drive safely and not act in a way that will put others at risk. Residents are urged to call police if they're concerned about their safety or witness illegal behaviour. Organisers of the Masters Games say they're excited to host it in Dunedin again after COVID cancelled their 2022 event. The 35th Masters Games kicks off on Saturday with participants aged from 18 to 90 and beyond. Thousands of people will compete in sports ranging from athletics to jigsaw puzzle racing. The manager of the Masters Games says it's a fantastic way for people of all ages to get active and spectators mm. are wel- welcome. The game hub will be at the University Union. She's lovely, and isn't she? And that's the news. She's lovely, isn't she? She is lovely, Digger. Yeah, she is. Have you got any weather? I need weather. All right, I'll dig some weather out for you. Okay. Can, can you play that little jingle thing? You all right? And now, wireless weather. Okay, let's look at wireless weather. Well, um, tomorrow, we've, we've, I've given you the short forecast, but let's, what's it going to be like tomorrow? Well, Friday, rain's going to spread up the South Island and into the lower North Island. Showers about the remainder of the North Island, but remaining, most, remaining mostly dry towards Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. You've got some nail, uh, nail, <laughs> nail gore westerlies. There we are, about the central, uh, high country. Uh, no, central New Zealand, yeah. Be the high country, they'll be included. What about Saturday? What's going to be like then? Showers for most are going to be frequent and heavy for the western regions from Taranaki southwards. It's going to ease later in the day, though, on Saturday. Gale westerly is possible about the western and southern regions of the North Island from Auckland southwards. What about Sunday? Well, you've got cloudy periods with isolated showers in the west. Uh, far, that's the far south of the South Island. In the far south. Yep, in the far south, and frequent and heavier in Fiordland if you're going to be down there. And um, you've got it's going to become fine though over the rest of the country towards the end of, of Sunday. And what about the Chathams? Well, uh, the Chathams, you've got a few showers on Friday with westerlies turning strong northerly, rain at times easing northerlies on Saturday, and then you've got rain clearing as the winds change southwesterly on Sunday. Strong at first. There we are. That's the weather. Now, what have I got lined up for you? Well, after six, I have uh, Jordan Peterson's going to be talking about the booze and how, how that can creep up on you. Uh, we will hear from Dr. Sam Bailey as well. And I, I've, we've, we've heard from her before about this. But I think a refresher is it's time for a refresher. We're talking about antibiotics. Do they really work? Is there really any evidence that antibiotics work? And also Richard Vobes as well. I don't know if we'll have time to fit him in between six and seven, but we'll give it a crack. We'll give it a go. Maybe after seven we'll hear from Richard Vobes. Tell them your land is private, he says. Private property. Um, yeah, so that's what's coming up. I haven't got time for Douglas Murray. I don't think he's going to he, – he delivers a, a very chilling a warning for uh, – what is it? A, lament, a lamentation, is it? Is that what it is? Good if I could read. Oh, a lamentable the, about the Australian government, about what they're up to. And um, we also have got this Muslim. He's a former Hamas, the son of the Hamas. I think the founder of Hamas. Uh, his name was Youssef. That's it, Youssef. Yes. Didn't um, what was the name now? Um, who's that? Who's that um, pop singer from back in the sixties and seventies? Cat uh, Stevens. He's changed his name. He's become a Muslim. 
I don't know why it, uh, this, he says he saw the light, but I don't think so. I wouldn't. I, the, sometimes those lights might not be so good when you see these lights. That might not be bad. Uh, it might be a bad thing, I should say, because the devil, the devil is uh, an angel of light. <laughs> he can he can transform himself into an angel of light, and he's called. That's what Lucifer. That's where we get illumination from. You know, light. He's the son of the morning. Son of the morning. That's what he is, oh Lucifer. And in the in the corrupt new versions, they put son of the morning star because the morning star that's Jesus, <laughs> and so they're like they're confusing Jesus with the devil, which is what the Mormons do, don't they? They're very Masonic too. All that all that stuff they wear, all their underwear, they got underwear, no underwear, and uh, they they wear Masonic underwear. Apparently, the men and the women. Apparently, I haven't seen I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard I've heard stories from people that I know that are Mormons. Um, what's another word for Mormon? Uh, Latter-day Saints, those ones there. They believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. <laughs> because, but, but if you just read the Bible for yourself, you, you discount that religion altogether. I don't know how these, how can these false religions actually carry on going? They say they believe the Bible. They all use, it, all the cults use the Bible, but they just twist it inside out. And, you know, and the, the, the key is, when, when you hear them, this, these are the trigger words, uh, what that really means is, what that really means is when they, someone says that, when they've read a bit of portion of the Bible to you, and then they say, now what that really means is you know that, that you should beware and you should check. You should be like the um, Bereans when Paul said, these are more noble than them in Thessalonica because they received the word, even the word that, word that Paul told them. This is Paul the Apostle. Uh, but then they went and checked the scriptures to see if what even he was saying was true or not. Yeah. That's what they did. It's eight minutes away from, I think it's eight, uh, yeah, eight minutes away from six with TNT Radio News. And um, we might, have we got time for Jordan Peterson? Yeah, we've got time for Jordan. Jordan Peterson coming up next. You are the most famous young man in Australia after cracking the joke that reduced the Today Show host to quivering wrecks of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so for the benefit of our viewers, what was the joke? A vegan and a vegetarian are jumping off a cliff to see who hit the bottom first. Who wins? I don't know. Who wins? Society. <laughs> it is a very, very funny joke. Obviously, vegans and vegetarians won't laugh, but they never laugh at anything because they never eat enough meat, so they're always angry. Yeah, well, alcohol is an extraordinarily pernicious drug, and yeah. if you're inclined towards it, you can be inclined towards it because you're sensitive to its anxiety-reducing properties or you can be sensitive to it because it enhances social communication, or because it produces a psychomotor high like cocaine, or all of those at yeah. once. And if you're particularly predisposed to alcoholism, you can experience all three at once. I had a friend in Montreal, um, Frank Irvin, great old guy, looked like Ernest Hemingway. He had a monkey farm on St. Kitts, and uh, him and his, uh, his woman, um, Roberta, Oh, I can't remember Roberta's last name. She was quite a piece of work too, a real cool person. They had this monkey ranch on St. Kitts and they used to go down there and study the effects of alcohol on green monkeys, which 5% of whom would drink to coma on first exposure. And they had videotapes of these damn monkeys drinking and it looked like a frat party, mm. you know, and, but 5% of them on first exposure would drink to coma. And those were the monkeys that had a biological predisposition to alcohol, to alcoholism and, Alcohol is a really bad drug, you know. It's 50% of murders take place in an alcohol-fueled environment. Either the victim or the perpetrator or both is drunk. It's, it's almost the sole cause of domestic abuse. It's almost yeah. the sole cause of so-called date rape 
If you dig into criminal behavior deeply enough, well, hell, you don't have to dig much at all before you find alcohol. It's also the only drug we know that actually makes people more aggressive. And not, not merely because they're not merely because they don't know what they're doing. We did experiments at, at McGill showing that if you took drunk people and put them in a competitive environment where they could be aggressive and had them keep track of their aggression so they were actually conscious of it, they became more aggressive even rather than less. So yeah, alcohol's bad news and it can turn perfectly good people into, into quite, the, quite the impulsive and dim-witted monsters. So, well, if you give people that massive boost of sugar and then suppress their inhibitions, yeah. that's going to happen. I was 21 years old in Prince George and I had a night like that. And I, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I just woke up in the morning, you know, praying at the porcelain altar. I was yeah. making that deal with God. If you just make me feel better, I'll, I'll stop this. Yeah. I won't do it anymore. And, uh, and then I didn't. Uh-huh. I haven't had alcohol since. Oh, really? Yeah. Since you were 21? Oh, yeah, I quit drinking years. when I was 27. You know, I mean, Northern Albertan culture was pretty damn hard drinking culture, yeah. like most Northern places. And uh, a lot, number of my friends ended up alcoholic, you know, and, and well, all the people that I was in high school with and in college with were extremely hard drinkers. And I drank quite a lot till I was 27. Mm. And then I found that I couldn't, well, first of all, my life was taking a pretty professional turn. And second, I found that there was no bloody way I could write seriously and think seriously yeah. on an ongoing basis if I was hungover. So, and I got married and, and I was going to have kids and I thought, yeah, enough of this. And so I, I had a bit of, I, I thought when I was 50 that I might be able to drink again socially. And I toyed with it for about a year and found out that I was probably just as stupid at 50 as I had been at like 25 and decided to dispense with that as to, that too, which was definitely... You know, I've watched too as I've gone around the world. I've I've met very, very many people in many, many social occasions, and I, because I don't drink anything at all now, if I go out and watch people drinking, it makes everybody stupid and fuzzy-minded. And you know, the problem is, is when you're drinking, you think you're cool, but you know, you have those same delusions that that Homer Simpson's friend Barney had when he was drinking that you're this kind of, you know, elegant and, and sophisticated comedian. And it just makes everybody stupid. I would, I would argue that the real problem is that it does that. Yeah, it, well, that's it, 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 the first drink does that. My dad yeah. tells this, uh, you know, he's, he, I hope I get the family story right, but he's a kid of 17 or 18 and he's kind of struggling at that point with school and he goes to a family function and he's got that one uncle who's a real jerk. Yeah. And the uncle pins him down at the dining room table and he says to him, he goes, so, uh, Baz, um, are your grades uh, a, a function of your um, inability to uh, commit to work or are you just stupid? And it was such a nasty question. And my dad immediately, um, you know, he blushed. And, you know, people who blush know that they're blushing. Mm -hmm. And then that causes more blushing, yeah, which, of course, yeah. causes the eye watering. And he just it was a devastating moment for him. And then about two weeks later, he and his dad are, are sitting and his dad, unfortunately, was was an alcoholic and, you know, uh, didn't live there very long as a consequence, but they're sitting on the, on the deck having a little bit of a beer. And then he goes in and, uh, and, and, and the uncle does the same thing. So we solved the great mystery. Are you stupid or lazy? Hmm. And my dad did not blush. And my dad said, you know, I would entertain your question if I thought there was any sincerity in all of this. I recognize that it's just through your own smallness that you're attempting to hurt me. I'm going to let it go. Hmm. And then at that point, my dad was like, it's socially irresponsible not to go out without at least a beer. Uh-huh. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely, it definitely is a con confidence enhancing substance, especially but it's an illusion. sensitive to that. Damn right, it's an illusion. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
Yeah, damn right. Okay, it is uh, just a couple of minutes away, I think it is. Uh, two minutes away. We've got time for a bit of Blondie. We'll play a bit of Blondie. Now, if you're on Facebook, you will have to... Uh, we, I'm going to have to stop Facebook right now because they're going to chop me off, so I'm going to just quickly stop it. Otherwise, it'll be in trouble. They do that every year. They'll probably ping me for that. You guarantee they'll ping me for that. After over 14 hours of intense debate on January 31st, the House Committee on Homeland Security, composed of 18 Republican members, voted to advance two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to the full House for a final decision. The committee's 15 Democratic members unanimously opposed the referral. House Speaker Mike Johnson has indicated that he expects the House of Representatives to vote on the impeachment measure promptly. However, before the vote can occur, the House Rules Committee, chaired by Tom Cole, needs to set the terms for the House floor debate, including the possibility of floor amendments. When the impeachment measure is brought up to the House floor, 14 Democrats who previously supported House Resolution 957 on January 17th may face a challenging decision regarding Mayorkas' fate. The resolution, which passed the full House with a 225 to 187 vote, will be a key factor in their decision-making process. Appointed Prime Minister Gabrielle Attal addressed the demands of discontented farmers with a series of supportive measures in an effort to mitigate a widespread protest movement. These protests, characterized by farmers blocking highways across France and surrounding Paris with their tractors, present a significant challenge to Attal's early days in office. In a comprehensive policy address at the National Assembly on Tuesday, Attal acknowledged the farmers' grievances, emphasizing the need to heed their concerns about their future and livelihoods. He outlined a clear objective to ensure fair competition and enforce regulations equally on both domestic and imported agricultural products. 
This measure aims to protect French farmers against the influx of cheaper foreigner imports, aligning with one of the key demands of the protesters. Additionally, Atal announced immediate emergency assistance for struggling wine producers and expedited disbursement of EU subsidies for other farmers. He also warned of immediate fines for food retailers failing to comply with existing laws designed to guarantee fair revenue distribution to farmers. The protest, intensifying over several days, saw French farmers maintaining overnight barricades from Monday to Tuesday. Their action underscores the challenges they face in farming and animal husbandry, which they claim have become excessively arduous and inadequately profitable. Official from the Trump administration, Mike Gill, is in critical condition following a shooting on Monday night. Gill, a father of three and the former chief operating officer of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, was shot in the head while in his parked car on K Street in Washington, D.C. He was rushed to the hospital and remained there Tuesday night. The suspect, who has yet to be identified, is believed to have been involved in a series of violent crimes in the D.C. area, including multiple attempted and successful carjackings and shootings of police. The crime spree began around 5.45 p.m. on Monday and included the fatal shooting of another individual whose car was stolen. The suspect was ultimately shot and killed by police officers in Maryland after he approached them armed with two firearms. Investigators are looking into whether the suspect was attempting to carjack Gill's vehicle when the shooting occurred. Police in Germany are reportedly hesitant to support Ukraine's immediate entry into NATO, as highlighted in a foreign policy magazine article. The report, based on insights from current and former officials, indicates that while some NATO allies, such as Poland and the Baltic states, are advocating for Ukraine's prompt inclusion in the alliance at an upcoming summit in Washington, D.C. in July, the U.S. and Germany have reservations. These two countries, which are among the leading providers of military aid to Ukraine, are concerned that admitting Ukraine into NATO at this time could escalate the conflict with Russia into a full-scale confrontation. Proponents of Ukraine's swift NATO accession argue it would be a strategic move to pressure Russia to end the conflict and would ultimately be more cost-effective than ongoing arms support. With another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. All right, I thank you very much, James. Five minutes past six, or oh, coming up to it, very close indeed. Let's have a look at the short forecast for just the well, just the short one there for Northland and Waikato, also the Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of Plenty, and also for Taramanui, Taupo, and Taihapi, areas of morning cloud, then fine weather for Gisborne and Hawkes Bay, some morning cloud, and then you've got. Fine weather apart from isolated showers in the afternoon and evening. For Waitomo to Kapiti, also, you know, just Kapiti, Wellington, down that way, uh, mainly fine. A cloud increasing this evening with a few showers developing. For Wellington, Wairarapa, also Nelson, mainly fine weather apart from isolated showers this afternoon. Marlborough and Canterbury, isolated showers developing this morning with some heavy and possibly thundery this afternoon and evening. For Buller and Westland, a few showers about Westland spreading north this afternoon. For Fiordland, Southland and Otago, scattered showers with possibly heavy falls about northern Otago, Dunedin as well, uh, in the afternoon and evening. Rain developing in Fiordland this evening. And for the Chathams, periods of rain easing to a few showers later on this evening. You yourself gained worldwide attention a few years ago when you said there was, quote, no room for homosexuality in Kenyan society. I want to know whether you still stand by that. We have... Um, Kenyan law, we have Kenyan constitution, we have our tradition, we have our customs. We will continue to respect other people's customs as they respect our customs and our tradition. 
I am very clear, I am very clear that we respect everybody and what they believe in, but we also have what we believe in and we expect to be respected for what we believe in. Prescription drug pricing points to corporate mountains. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Oh, I suppose we're on it. News Hub. Let's look at News Hub. Donald Trump. Newshub.co.nz, you'll find them. Donald Trump's former National Security Advisor, John Bolton. I talked about that yesterday. Now, we'll go back to the homepage. Yes, he thinks he's not very good. Now, Schwalbrick presents unique chance for Greens as Hipkins risks political irrelevancy. He does. The Greens. I thought she was in the shoplifting thing. Well, she was apparently she's there when old Golriz Garriman was um, thieving, apparently, according to, you know, reports. It's being investigated now. Apparently three. So she took about $10,000, apparently. This is what she's, they say, of um, clothing from one store, apparently. Anyway, so anyway, and she was there with her. Wouldn't she know that she was thieving? I don't know if she was. It looked like a photograph of her on the CCTV footage there. So that's interesting. It's amazing how the, the newspaper just sort of washes over things, you know, like with the, Tam, not the Tamahiri family, with the, um, 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 what, what are they called now? The um, Titify, you know, the Harawira family, you know, what a rotten, rotten blimmin' family they are. Because remember oh, the old granny, old grandma, I spoke about this just after five, back in the late 80s, she established the Fari Paya mental health unit for Maori at Carrington Hospital, which is a mental institution. That was in, 18, in 1989. She was jailed for nine months for assaulting a patient with four other staff members also convicted, four other Maoris. They're a violent minority, I'm telling you now. They are. I don't know what it's, They've just got that sort of that violence in them, you know, really. Douglas Murray's nails it, really. And they traded in human heads, didn't they? Burnt their victims. Couldn't eat the heads, I suppose. Eat the eyeballs. Eat them. There was evidence of that. There was actually plenty of eyewitnesses of them eating them, you know, raw. Anyway, she was jailed for nine months along with four others, including her daughter and son. Harui claimed that she, she, that, that the victim, or she claimed that the victim had sexually assaulted a staff member. However, the sentencing judge called the attacks an arrogant and frightening abuse of authority and power and noted that Harui should have used her authority to prevent the assault. Um, and that was reported in Stuff. And uh, it, it it did it. It just it ruined her career, uh, really. But I mean, the whole family. I and mean, you've got the other one. He he's up on rape charges. What's his name? Now, where did I see that? Now, was that uh, that was in stuff? Yeah, that was in stuff. We'll have a look at that right now. Here it is. Uh, oh, Honey Harawira. There we are. So this is the son, and uh, so his brother, Honey's brother. He's on trial for historic sex, child sex abuse charges. Let's look at that story. Uh, this came out last night. Um, it's not a very nice story, but, you know, these are the facts. Uh, so against the background of political unrest in the late 70s and early 80s, a member of a Maori activist family and brother of a former politician is alleged to have repeatedly raped and indecently assaulted a young girl. Taiawa Harawira, the brother of former Na um, Maori Party 
Member of Parliament, Honi Harawira, is facing trial at the Auckland District Court. Harawira is the son of the late Titify Harawira, which we just talked about, you know, about her all her violence, and that she spent nine months in jail. That's how bad it was. Um, he pleaded not guilty to 30 charges of indecently insulting a girl under 12. Good grief. And for rape charges, including representative charges, meaning, what does that mean? Representative charges, meaning it is alleged to have happened numerous times and four charges of threatening to kill six charges of injuring with intent. Harui was arrested in 2020 and is alleged to have told a detective, I know what this is about. See, he knew. I've been waiting 30 years for this. Good grief. His lawyer, Ron Mansfield, KC, not KC in the Sunshine Band. No, we've got them coming up. And you may have noticed that we've changed our, just, just, to, just to lighten it up a bit, uh, we've changed our format too. We've sort of moved away from the country because people are saying they don't like it. So we've got to give, I like it, but you, you've got to give people what they want, don't you, Digger? You do, you've got to give them what they want. I know. So that's what we'll do, we'll do that. Anyway, so Mansfield, that's KC, he said that because all his life, He'd had these allegations thrown at him and his family in an attempt to marginalise and embarrass him. Oh, really? What did he say? Mansfield said the complaint, this is the lawyer, he said the complaint was, uh, was lying, the complainant was lying and the evidence was unreliable. On Wednesday, yeah, but I where the smoke this fire? <laughs> uh, the prosecutor, Jessica Akoi, she told the jury about the Crown case. Haribu was in his early 20s while the young girl close to the family was under 12 in the late 70s and 80s. And this was back when Titify was bashing people up in the mental institution. During that time, or this time, there were many kihoi, no, a hikoi rather, what's a hikoi? What on earth is a hikoi? I don't know, I don't know. They should put in brackets what that means. What does it mean? What does it mean? What do these Maori words mean? Why do we have to learn them? I don't want to. And look, they've said Aotearoa. Where the heck is Aotearoa? New Zealand. New Ze- it's New Zealand and a hikoi, I don't know, meeting, a march, I don't know. I don't know, the family the family home in Avondale, that's where they were. So during this time, there were many, many hikoi around New Zealand and the, the Haruiwa family home in Avondale, which was used as a hub for Maori activism. But Haruiwa and his family also moved around various marais. I say marais, but they say marae. There they do. He used this to his advantage and sexually abused, this is the prosecutor, sexually abused the girl at a number of marae and homes, according to the lawyer for the prosecution. During this time, Haru was often left alone with the children, including the girl, uh, a baby, rather to babysit, while her mother and other adults attended the meetings or the hikoi, whatever that is. Uh, Akoi, that's the, um, must be slightly Asian there, uh, said Haru would play fight with the girl, and it was fun to start with, but it escalated to be more aggressive, and he would pin her down. The first time he's accused of indecently assaulting her, he is alleged to have said, not old enough. Oh, yuck. The behaviour continued as Haru isolated his, his, isolated his, the girl away. Well, I don't know if that's mistaken there, I think. Uh, isolated the girl away from other children and continued to indecently assault her. This is the lawyer, the prosecution. Uh, he warned her if she told anyone, he would kill her mother. Good grief, you nasty bastard. Just put you away. Put you away. You, this is all true. It's just a, they're a rotten family. They, they are a violent, rotten family, in my opinion. 
when the girl and her family, they've said now, moved to Whangarei, they probably pronounce that Whangarei, but it's incorrect. It's an aspirated WH, and just that the Maoris want to say fuck, I suppose. Is that what it is? Whoops, you just said it. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they just can't say fuck. Maybe they can't just do a huh, an aspirated WH. I don't know. So they say fuck, or they heard it wrong. Maybe then the ears cleaned out. Uh, there was this was the house they were in, in Wangarei, and on one occasion the girl was getting changed into her pajamas while Haru watched her and later pinned her against the wall, alleged to have told her he was preparing you for something that's really good. You rotten nasty mongrel! Uh, he put her on the bed. Oh no, I don't want to read any more of it. But you can imagine it just goes on and on. It's just a just a rotten, stinking, horrible thing. Lock him up, throw the key away. He knows what it's about. He knows he's guilty. He's going to be found guilty, and they probably let him off. Probably give him home detention or something like that, where he can, I don't know. Did they grow out of it? I don't think so. Did the leopards change their spots? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, anyway, let's move away from that. It's making me sick. Um, let, let's hear something else. It's, it's 15 minutes past six, it is, and um, Megan Kelly, no, no. Now, I tell you what, I had um, Richard Vose, but I want us to hear about antibiotics. Remember I was talking about antibiotics? You know, I've been saying all week they don't work. They don't work. And this is Dr. Sam Bailey. She's a New Zealand doctor, and you can find her at Dr. Sam, S-A-M-B-A-I-L-E-Y. So it's drsambailey.com. Find her there. Go and study what she's talking about. Open your mind. Antibiotics don't work. They've been telling you they have been. Drunk companies have been making a fortune. They're a bit like the COVID-19 vaccine. Can we say that on Facebook? Ooh, um, maybe not. The COVID-19 jabberoonie. Uh, it doesn't work. All the things they said it did, it doesn't do. When former doctors speak out and start criticising allopathic medicine, all hell breaks loose. The medical quote authorities have come after both myself and my husband Mark in recent years after we went public with the COVID-19 fraud. They can't refute works like virus mania or a farewell to virology. So instead, they try gag orders and farcical prosecution attempts. We have spent years contributing to the work demonstrating that the virus model is broken and on a wider front, the germ theory model as well. So what about antibiotics? We've all heard the challenges from the germ proponents who claim that we wouldn't dare refuse antibiotics for ourselves or our children in the case of a life-threatening illness that they call an infection. But are antibiotics really life-saving compounds or more mythology from the pharma cartel? This is a huge topic, but let me show you a few of the greatest scientific deceptions surrounding one of the medical establishment's crown jewels. Let me only say that the best of all proof of the fallacy of their assertions is the fact that every attempt to elevate the germ facts of putrefaction into a germ theory of disease has miserably failed. In the year 2000, while working as a first-year house surgeon, my husband Mark was on a ward round, being led by a medical consultant. An elderly patient was diagnosed with pneumonia and the consultant advised Mark to prescribe intravenous antibiotics as per the hospital's drug protocol book. Mark picked up the medication chart but instinctively hesitated and said to the senior doctor, why do we always give these? The consultant was incredulous that such a question would come up 
but Mark pressed him and asked how he knew they worked. No definitive evidence was offered, and instead the consultant emphatically stated that it was established through decades of collective wisdom and clinical experience. Not only that, but the patient's sputum could be sent to the lab to see which bacteria were present and which antibiotics killed them. Mark could see something was amiss and another seed was planted that led to the eventual departure of both of us from the allopathic medical system. The word antibiotic derives from the Greek anti and bios, which translates to against life. That may give you some clues about the origins of this class of pharmaceutical, which is embedded in germ theory and the war against microbes. Medical students are often taught the famous story of Scottish physician Alexander Fleming, who was investigating the growth of Staphylococcus aureus bacteria on culture plates in London in 1928. One of the culture plates was left exposed while he was on holiday, and when he returned, he realised it was contaminated with a blue-green mould. He then noticed that the bacteria did not grow around the mould and surmised that a substance that killed bacteria was being secreted by the mould. Fleming called it penicillin and published his findings the following year in 1929, but his paper initially created little interest in the medical community. Dr Howard Florey at the University of Oxford became aware of penicillin in 1939 and approached the British Medical Research Council for funding to investigate its antibacterial properties. His team received only a modest grant, but then an agent from the Rockefeller Foundation stepped in and suggested that Florey, quote, apply for foundation funding. The application mentioned that it may also be pointed out that the work proposed, in addition to its theoretical importance, may have practical value for therapeutic purposes. And hey presto, it was approved by the Rockefeller Foundation. In a 1989 New York Times article titled, Big Money Meets Big Science, it was written that Rockefeller money helped support some of the most profoundly important advances in modern science and medicine, including the work of Niels Bohr, Enrico Fermi, Werner Heisenberg and Hans Krebs. The development of such vital research tools as the ultracentrifuge, the electron microscope and the 200-inch Hale telescope and the discovery of penicillin. Well, apart from Krebs, the rest were theoretical physicists who made models like the virologists do. And as for the research tools mentioned, they haven't delivered on much that improves the lot of humanity or our well-being. So the inclusion of penicillin in there should raise suspicions. The article goes on to state that, as one of the greatest contributions to the war effort, the Rockefeller Foundation supported the Oxford University researchers Howard W. Florey and Ernst Boris Chain while they struggled to transform penicillin from a petri dish curiosity to the miracle drug that saved the lives of millions, including the Allied soldiers who might otherwise have died of the virulent battlefield infection, gas gangrene. Obviously, it is not possible in this video to go through every disease that is claimed to be treated by antibiotics. However, we can go straight to the top shelf and pick one of the alleged greatest victories brought about by their use. So let's take this classic tale that has been promulgated since World War II, the alleged life-saving penicillin that saved scores of soldiers. There must be plenty of evidence for that, right? 
Before we get to the state of the science, I should point out that gas gangrene is a life-threatening condition, but it is not an infection by invading bacteria as the mainstream claims. If you try to find any evidence that the bacterium Clostridium perfringens can invade healthy tissue and make someone sick, you won't find it. It is a type of bacteria that is found everywhere, often in decaying vegetation, the soil, and even in our gut. In other words, a crucial part of our ecosystem, rather than a pathogen. Conditions like gas gangrene are the result of devitalized muscle tissue brought about by a blocked blood supply, trauma such as gunshots or even snake bites. The microbes will certainly start proliferating, but not until the tissue is already dying, i.e. the underlying terrain has changed. It is like a piece of meat from an animal. Once the blood supply is cut off and the tissue is deoxygenated, the microbes that are everywhere will get to work breaking it down. It doesn't matter if the tissue is still attached to living tissue, the breakdown will proceed regardless. So let's get to the evidence for antibiotics in the case of gas gangrene. In 2015, the Cochrane Group performed a review titled Interventions for Treating Gas Gangrene. They looked for randomized controlled trials that compared one treatment of gas gangrene with another treatment or with no treatment and identified two relevant RCTs with a total of 90 participants with gas gangrene. And the conclusion? Neither trial reported on this review's primary outcomes of quality of life and amputation and death due to gas gangrene or in adverse events. Trials that addressed other therapies such as immediate debridement, antibiotic treatment, systemic support and other possible treatments were not available. The benefits and harms of different treatments for gas gangrene remain unclear as the available trials do not provide high quality evidence due to low sample numbers and a number of problems with the way the trials were conducted that can introduce bias to the results. Pretty underwhelming stuff. In fact, it means that the widespread claim that penicillin saved all those wounded soldiers has no scientific basis. If there was improvement in their outcomes, it was most likely due to surgical removal of dead tissue, awareness of hygiene, and improved practices in managing shock, such as rehydration. You can watch my video, Five Spectacular Fails from Germ Theory, for more information on this. Regardless, in terms of the millions of lives penicillin alone is supposed to have saved, the scientific evidence is lacking. It is a case of medical mythology and pharma marketing spin. But the use of antibiotics is not set to slow down. To add to the lolly scramble, the CDC has recently suggested the use of the antibiotic doxycycline for some people when they have sex to purportedly prevent them getting infections. You can watch my videos such as what we weren't taught about gonorrhea to see why entities such as this are not infections. In any case, apparently the CDC propose getting even more antibiotics into the population, even though they have, quote, wrestled with the concern that doxypep could raise the risk of bacteria developing resistance to the antibiotic. Ah, antimicrobial resistance, another fear-based narrative being propagated on faulty premises. The story has been pushed by mainstream outlets such as The Guardian, who reported last year that 
Antimicrobial resistance poses a significant threat to humanity, health leaders have warned. More than 1.2 million and potentially millions more died in 2019 as a direct result of antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections, according to the most comprehensive estimate to date of the global impact of antimicrobial resistance, AMR. They were referring to a Lancet paper with the title Global Burden of Bacterial Antimicrobial Resistance in 2019, a systematic analysis. Sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Wellcome Trust. And how did they come up with the figures? They used predictive statistical modelling to produce estimates of AMR burden for all locations, including for locations with no data. In other words, they made it up. Not only are they using modelling estimates, but the input data itself is phony, as none of the conditions they listed have been shown to be caused by bacteria. So bacteria being resistant to the drugs is not relevant to any individual's cause of death. The paper would be pleasing to Big Pharma though when it concluded that it is crucial to making informed and location-specific policy decisions, particularly about infection prevention and control programs, access to essential antibiotics, and research and development of new vaccines and antibiotics. The pharma-sponsored germ focus results in tunnel vision, where doctors have been led to believe that killing bugs can benefit a patient. This becomes their goal rather than reversing the underlying problems that made the patient sick in the first place. Take the example I introduced at the start regarding the consultant that instructed Mark to prescribe IV antibiotics for pneumonia. In the allopathic model, the condition is said to be caused by bacteria, so a sputum sample is sent to the lab, and if certain microbes are cultured, they take the blame. The lab then tests various antibiotics against the microbes to establish the sensitivities, or which of them kills the bacteria most effectively. The treating doctors are then guided by these results and select one or several antibiotics to give to the patient. There are so many problems with this, and for brevity, we'll list some of the main ones. Number one, the underlying causes of the patient's pneumonia were not established, so were not treated. Number two, the presence of bacteria in a sputum sample is not diagnostic of a disease. The microbes are bystanders that proliferate under certain conditions and healthy people inhale them without ill effect. Three, killing bacterial colonies on a plate with antibiotics is not treating a patient. Even if the antibiotic does kill bacteria inside the person, there is no evidence that this is curative. The last point also raises an interesting question about why antibiotics may work in suppressing symptoms in some conditions. Certain skin diseases and so-called urinary tract infections spring to mind. Many antibiotics do not simply kill bacteria on petri dishes. When they are given to complex organisms such as humans, they act as anti-inflammatory agents. Dermatologists have known about this mechanism for years and have prescribed them extensively for inflammatory skin conditions and what the mainstream call autoimmune disorders. It's an area that is not well publicised as the germ theorists prefer the antibacterial narrative. The flaws in the claims about antibiotics such as penicillin were already anticipated in the pre-antibiotic era. In 1887, British surgeon Lawson Tate noted that I have opened the abdomen in many cases packed full of tubercular matter and drained it like a common abscess and have cured the patients. 
The same thing has been done by Esmark, who has identified the bacillus in the orthodox German fashion. Does anyone believe that either of us removed every bacillus in every spore? I know I did not, for the tubercular masses in several of my cases kept coming out for weeks afterwards, yet the patients recovered. What I really did was to enable my patients to get rid of the dead or dying exudation on which the bacilli lived, of the decomposition of which they are probably the means and wholly the result. Apply this notion of the germ theory of disease to the facts of clinical medicine and surgery and see how irreconcilable with the facts it is. The reason antibiotics are a scam is that they are based on the wider errors of germ theory. Microbes are not the cause of disease, although they will proliferate in certain conditions. Vitally, there is no war against them. They act precisely in accordance with nature, which is pro-life. Even if it seems unfair at times, they are part of the process that allows regeneration of more life. In calling out the fatally flawed premises of germ theory, Lawson Tate remarked that we do not in the least know what life is. We call it vital power and talk glibly about it, though our men of science seem to have neglected it. Pick out an amoeba and watch him. So long as his sloth-like movements go on, he is avoided by his neighbours. But his movements get feeble and very slow, and you will see a paramecium go at him. The movements cease altogether, and presently you will find him riddled with bacteria and bacilli, and soon all trace of him will be lost. Why did his enemies avoid him whilst he was alive? Why could they so easily attack him when dead? I cannot tell you, but it shows that there is an enormous difference between tissue living and tissue dead. Some of the mysteries under the microscope may never be known to us, but they do not need to be, to live in perfect health. When I reflect on my time in the medical system, I saw fingers being reattached by skillful surgeons and tension pneumothoraxes being instantly relieved by chest strains. I did not see anyone that had their limbs or lives saved by antibiotics, but certainly witnessed some nasty adverse effects, including disturbed microbiomes, following even a couple of doses. Only bringing the terrain back to a vitalized state can result in cure, no matter what the condition, and this can be achieved without the pharmaceuticals. Please visit supportdrsam.com. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at 5. 27 minutes away from, what are we up, 7 o'clock, news at 7 o'clock. Now we're over at the Otago, wasn't she good? Isn't Dr. Sam Bailey amazing? So there we are, all this nonsense about antibiotics, they don't, they don't work, it's just rubbish. Just more rubbish. And you, you can convince people, can't you, that things work and they don't. Doctors, and they're in this position of authority, but they don't know. They just follow the leader, which is what it, we saw during the pandemic. It was just all follow the leader, wasn't it? And they didn't want to go outside the groupthink. <laughs> groupthink is very dangerous, very dangerous indeed. All right, we're at the Otago Daily Times, and uh, we're looking at the, the news there. It's very interesting. This morning, Southern Chair, regions recognised for welcoming ways, for the warmest of welcomes, and we should look no further than our own Otago doorstep, with that's according to a new sur- a survey, a survey there, a tourist survey. And South Dunedin Library site has been blessed by the Maoris. 
groundworks are imminent for the planned South Dunedin Library and uh, Community Centre due to open next year. And school, the school welcomes the, um, I'll just uh, get to the, hang on, first of all, the council, they're buying the uh, Forbury Park, that's the raceway. Formery Raceway uh, Park has been sold to the Dunedin City Council for $13.2 million and there are strong signs it will be used to boost the city's climate resilience. What a load of fooey. Climate's resilience. We all, we all know, all, all my listeners, you all know that climate change is a load of garbage, don't you? Central Otago teen, he makes history at the Olympics again. We've got this wonderful thing happening, wonderful event there happening. We've got the half pipe at the moment, the half pipe. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do that. I used to do a bit of hot dog skiing <laughs> back, in, back in the day. What did I have? Blizzard securers, I think. That was before I broke my ankle. Uh, it's been an historic day yesterday for New Zealand at the Youth uh, Winter Olympics uh, with two Central Otago, fr- what they call free ski athletes, winning gold and silver in the half pipe. Uh, other news from the Otago Daily Times. School welcomes the new cell phone rules. A Dunedin secondary school principal says restricting pupils' cell phone use has resulted in a massive drop in harmful social media incidents. How would he know? They've only been back a few days. <laughs> It's a bit early to say that, but anyway, probably right. Uh, So happy Jigsaw Racing is at the Games. No Jigsaw has proven too big for Dunedin Puzzler. Donna Louise Craig, uh, she will share her passion at the Masters Games next week. Good on you. And, uh, oh, we've got this other other fellow here was rescued. A young fellow was rescued. Uh, He was swimming with his mates. And he was whooping and hollering after he was rescued from a rip at Brighton Beach yesterday. Oh, he would be too. He was just so excited that that he wasn't going to be drowned. A distillery makes a global culinary gem list. A a tiny bread-to-bottle gin distillery in Dunedin has been selected as New Zealand's only representative in the culinary travel trip by National Geographic. Congratulations. And I knew I could die. Cancer patient attacked. A terminally ill cancer patient attacked in her own home has described her assailant as a devious, manipulative, extremely violent and dangerous woman. That story there's for you to read. I don't know if I'm going to read any more nasty stuff uh, this morning. It sort of changes the whole tone, doesn't it? Otago Daily Times. Flying through feeling alone. What does that mean? Flying through feeling alone. When it comes to operating the University of Otago's new drones, it truly is a case of mind over matter. There's a video there you can watch that. If you want. Now, they had a bit of an accident actually. A car crashed into a power pole yesterday in Dunedin. Fire and emergency New Zealand crews they assist at the scene after a car crashed into a power pole outside the Brockfield School in Dunedin yesterday. And I think everyone was all right. The car looks really smashed up. Put the pole on a bit of a lean. Fire and emergency. The car needed to be towed after crashing into the pole with enough force to put it on a lean. A police spokesman said that the Aurora Energy had also been notified. That's the energy company. Remember, we just used to have the power board and power's cheap. Now they've gone and privatised it. You can blame Richard Preble for that. Richard Preble and that other crook. What's his name? Although I think Richard might have turned over a bit of a new leaf. He's dead against the electoral role. Sort of, he thinks people that don't give their they should be on a roll. Not he's not against the role. He's against you should be on a roll before you can vote. And also. They have to check the validity of people that are voting on those ballots, whether they are, you know, the special ballots, the special votes, whether they should be uh, allowed to vote or not. They don't even check your ID. And so that's, you know, who, that people, 
people that don't get organised and get on the roll and then want to go along and vote, and they do on the last the last minute, and then we end up getting people like the Greens in <laughs> and Labour. Uh, anyway, this accident happened. Yeah, we heard about that. Yeah, so everything's all right. They're all good. They they called Honey Harawiwa. Oh no, that's St John's Hato Honey. They called them. That's what they call the ambulance now. And uh, they and the crews they assisted one at the scene, but he's all right. He's okay. He can be fine. Uh, now other regions. What else we got? Ban wanted on vehicles on the beach. Oh yeah, that's right. A residents of the Catlin town and a local conservationist are appealing for a vehicle ban on the popular holiday beach. Yeah, you would do that. It's, it's all about just the communists there, and you know, got into the local government, and uh, you know they just and, and the paper too. They're all just going down that commie track, aren't they? Stop you from having a bit of fun on the beach. You know, going for a bit of a skid, doing some donuts. <laughs> Fortunate outcome, not so harsh after a rampage, according to a judge. We had a new, a Uruguay, a oh gosh, I can't even say it, I've said it before. Uruguay, why can't I say that word today? He's from Uruguay. What would that be, Uruguayan? Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. A man, he's, anyway, he went on a rampage in Wanaka, and he's fortunate to be leaving the country with only a f- financial penalties. Sounds like a proper half, but I was just looking at this. A moment ago, his name is Ignacio Alo Costa, he's 26, whose erratic and aggressive behaviour continued in two incidents in Queenstown last month, was expected to depart for his home country yesterday in the care of his parents. I don't know whether they were with him or, or whether they came over and got him. I'd say they were with him, probably on holiday. Uh, but anyway, he's supposed to be getting work here. Uh, at a sentencing at the Queenstown District Court on Monday... Counsel Tanya Surrey said Arlo Costa's offending was triggered by the unexpected withdrawal of a work offer and sponsorship, and also he had mental health issues, so he's probably going to be on psychiatric drugs. That's what sends him potty. Go to the doctor, go to the sorcerer, then he gives you some, because sorcery, that's, you know, pharmacia, pharmakia, that's the Greek word, pharmakia, is translated in the old King James Bible as sorcery, so that's what they're giving you. The sorcerers. The whole world's in the lap of the evil one, isn't it? The primary summary of facts said that he entered the Wanaka restaurant at about 9 o'clock on December the 15th, yelling. And he yelled at the victim who was sitting at a table with his partner. Business partner? Or was he married? I don't know. You are married anyway, even if you don't. You know you know, a marriage, you know what a marriage is. It's not, it's not the ceremony. That's a marriage ceremony. A marriage, you, we'll go into details in a minute, but you it's, a ceremony is not a marriage, and if you're, they say, oh, I've got a partner, it's actually you're married, because when you join yourself to someone else, you know, consummate the relationship, you're married, you're married to that person, and you know what the Bible says, that a woman is bound to him and to her husband so long as he liveth. So the first person you sleep with, you're bound to her so long as he liveth. It doesn't say the other way around. It just says because obviously polygyny is quite normal in the Bible, but not 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 acceptable today. No, in the Christ, Christians they don't they don't believe the Bible, they don't believe the words on the page. Uh, trying to incite a physical confrontation. This is this Uruguayan. Uh, he knocked the victim's hat off his head before exposing his penis. <laughs> what a halfway! Oh, they should just lock him up straight away. I suppose they did. He was arrested. He was arrested in his vehicle a short time later and taken to the to the Wanaka police station where he refused to undergo an assessment for drug-impaired driving. They should check him for psychiatric drugs as well. They'll probably find that's half the problem. 19 minutes away from 7 o'clock, a search of his car uncovered three grams, which is not very much, three grams, 
three grams of that's probably about one reefer, isn't it? Yeah, be a reefer. Yeah, that's what I thought. Take uh, three grams of cannabis and a grinder. His belligerence continued at the Queenstown Police Station the next morning, where he urinated on the floor of his cell and was physically confrontational with officers. Finally, while in the resort town on Christmas Day, he was riding a bike on the footpath in Church Street when he yelled at three people to get out of the way. Confronting one of the victims, he told him he would kill, I will kill you right here. Um, wow. If it were not for the police station being right across the road. He probably would have done. He then followed the trio into a convenience store where despite their efforts to de-escalate the situation, he continued to make threats, telling them, you three are dead already because I will be looking for you. What a nutcase. He was charged with assault, disorderly behaviour, obscene exposure, refusing a compulsory impairment test, possessing cannabis, intentional damage and four charges of threatening, threatening language. Ms Surrey, that's the prosecution, said Alo Costa did not have a history of such behaviour in his home country, so don't go blooming badly behaving over here in New Zealand. Put it on the plane and send him back. There we are. Uh, put him on one of those, um, the ones that do the mail. Put him in the mail baggage, and there you don't give him a seat. Uh, but he had suffered mental health issues. Oh, well, okay, well, yeah. Uh, Judge Duncan Harvey said the defendant was a very lucky young man. You're very lucky not to be receiving a harsher sentence. Why not? Why not put him in jail for a while? Bit of hard labour. Hey, on the tent city down the Waiuru that I'm, well, I'm going to build when New Zealand first gets him. Not New Zealand first. <laughs> NZ Loyal. Loyal to us, not to them. Not to the WIF, not to the World, World Economic Forum and all the other half-wits over there, all the three-letter agencies like the like WHO. WHO? WHO. Yes, World Health Organisation. Anyway, um, but it was desirable to undergo psychological treatment in his home country as soon as possible. They probably won't. Although the victim had been on the receiving end of the appalling behaviour, ordering the defendant to pay reparation for emotional harm would only create unnecessary work for the police, where they were keen to have the matter resolved and see the defendant leave the country. Uh, he was convicted. Uh, he, he, he convicted the defendant, this is the judge, I suppose, and ordered him to pay $1,500 to victim support services in Queenstown and $63 to the police for the cost of cleaning the cell. <laughs> it probably cost thousands of dollars to handle this half-wit. Anyway, so that's what happens when you go to a psychiatrist and they give you, they give you, the psychiatrists give you the bad drugs and the psychologists, they talk nonsense, they do the mumbo-jumbo talk to you, talk you, tell you that you're a half-wit, and the, the psychiatrists, they give you uh, psychiatric drugs, they give you sor sorcerers, they are, that's what they are. Now, uh, other news, um, I should have been clearer, according to Mitchell, he corrects, this is the, uh, uh, police answer. Uh, police Minister Mark Mitchell, he's had to correct the record in Parliament after saying that it would take three years to recruit 500 new recruits. And I heard on the news with Vicky Mackay uh, uh, later on, was that before? It was about 5, 5.30 or something like that. She said, um, what was it now? They, they, it's too hard for them. The, the exercise, you know, the, the uh, physical assessment they have to do is too hard for them. They can't climb over a wall. Well, flipping it. If I, I want a cop that comes around that can help me, that's someone that's fit. I don't want some weakling. And don't send me a flipping Sheila. I don't want a girl coming here to help me. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, my friend Lisa, uh, and she was in the military in the United States. She was a, uh, she was at the pay rank of a colonel. I don't know if she's a secret squirrel, I think. Anyway, but when she was in, in America, um, they she the women complained that she would hurt them when they were doing the hand-to-hand -hand combat thing, because they had to do all that before they sent them off around the world to, you know, do stuff.
buy stuff. I think she was in procurement. You know, they buy stuff. They walk around with a satchel full of, you know, American thousands of American dollars to buy, you know, I don't know, AK-47s or whatever it is they buy, uh, CIA sort of stuff, I think. Anyway, but she, but she said, I'd love to tell you, but I'd have to kill you. So that's what I think. Anyway, that's what we think, that she was a spy. Anyway, father was in intelligence as well, so he's probably a spy as well. He was a cryptologist, so it runs in the family, I think. Anyway, so, um, so getting back to that, she, she was so strong and that the, the women complained that the, they were hurt, she was hurting them. And so she had to do all her hand-to-hand combat training with the men. You know, but so, so Lisa, I would say, if she called the cops and they sent some female around, <laughs> a female cop, to help her, I mean, she would just laugh in their face. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just nuts. Anyway, there we go. And then we've got this also on the Otago Daily Times, the Haru, a family member accused of child sex abuse. Uh, when a member of one of the, the, the New Zealand's most notorious, that's what I would say if I was writing this, most notorious Maori activist families, violent majority, uh, human right, Maori rights apparently, been accused of having, oh no, don't even read it, I just don't know, how, how can people do that to children? Just lock them up, lock them up and throw away the key. Rising Star confirmed to start the New Zealand Open, a rising New Zealand star, Kazuma Kobori. Uh, he will be back at Millbrook later this month. That's in golf. Golf, not golf. Out in the Haraki Golf. Playing. People say, I'm going out. I'm going out in the golf. I'm going fishing in the golf. Are you? <laughs> they fish on the golf course. Uh, New Zealand U19s given 200 run thrashing. New Zealand were thumped by more than 200 runs at their first Super 6 game at the Under 19 World Cup in South Africa yesterday. That'll be what's that? Cricket. Yeah. And Bell gets first chance to shine as the hooker. Henry Bell, he will get his first opportunity to impress the most uh, contestable Highlanders jersey this season. In business, what have we got in business? The administration will not leave vacuum in the south. Now, a business, as usual, for, God, for Godfrey's apparently. Remember yesterday they went into, uh, what, the, what do they call it? They, they go into administration. It's like receivership, I suppose, isn't it? That's the new word. There in the cargo stores, and uh, a firm acquires Southland Funeral Home. ASX, listed uh, as uh, Propel Funeral Partners, continues to grow its portfolio as its purchase of Southern Funeral Home for more than four million dollars, which is like Australian. It's four point two here. Gosh, our rate's not doing too bad. It's pending anyway. So that if if I was if I was you know putting my evil cap on, I'd be in the funeral business <laughs> because with all the people dropping dead suddenly from the COVID nineteen vaccine, they have to say it that way because we're going out on other things. Um, I but that would be the business I'd be in. You know, and they're all quiet, aren't they? All the funeral directors are all quiet about the blood clots they're finding, all the f- terrible things they're finding in people's blood when they have to go embalm them, you know, and take all the blood out, drain it all out. I hate to do that. I hate to do a job like that. It'd be awful. Can't think of anything worse. And then you fill them up with, um, what is it, creosote or something, isn't it? They put uh, some horrible liquid in them. Anyway, but I suppose they do, otherwise they stink, don't they? They've got flies. I was at a funeral once and there was blowflies hanging around this fellow. It was a summertime funeral. Blowflies, you know, and the poor brother. You had to get up there and shoo the flies off. Oh, nasty. Anyway, a firm owes creditors $410,000. This is down South Island News here, down the mainland. That's where we are. Uh, a firm which provided hydraulic engineering services in Southland has gone into liquidation. You wouldn't think so. Gosh, they charge a for- fortune. I, I took um, some um, pipes and what do they call it, hoses for the digger, blew two of them. Two of them, 660 bucks, including GST. 
And then I, then I was doing, I said, all right, and leave the thing there and get that done, leave it there, and then get on the tractor. I've got not a bad tractor, got a 95 Kubota, very good. Anyway, that blue, that blue one as well. Someone had left, they'd, I, I, and I noticed it, and I fixed it about three years ago, but apparently it wore through, and then I had um, uh, hydraulic fluid all over the place. There was another one, that was another 250 bucks or something like that, or $200 for another one. So I spent about $1,000 this week, the farm has, just on hydraulic hoses. Good grief. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine, there must have been really bad operators to go bust when they're in the... Um, Hydraulic and engineering business, I just can't imagine. It's just bad, bad management. A tender accepted to buy assets of the manufacturer who's in liquidation. Tender's been accepted to buy the assets of Dunedin manufacturer business, Scott Waterjet, which was placed in liquidation last year. Why are all these places going bust? I don't know. What is it, something to do with the pandemic or something? I don't know. Fortunate outcome, not so harsh. Oh, yeah, we've got that. We read that. All right, that's the Otago Daily Times. We'll be back in a minute with News Hub and Radio New Zealand, see what they're doing. Uh, we've got TNT Radio News coming up at 7 o'clock, so we'll, um, we'll listen to them. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a jiffy. There's a saying, when the devil ignores you, then you know you're doing something wrong. Wait a minute, I'm not done now. <laughs> you know, the, the devil goes, oh, no, leave him alone. Hey, he's my favorite. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Don't you bother right. him. Yeah. Conversely, when the devil comes at you, Maybe it's because you're trying to do something. Right. I'm happy now that they can go back to Montecito. He was a bitter, bitter man at the coronation. You could tell he was wearing it all over his face. And now he can just go home and sit in the misery that he created for himself. He's an unhappy man. He married an unhappy woman. They're going to sit in Montecito. It doesn't matter how big their mansion gets. They're never going to be happy. She can nail every Spotify deal, WME representation she wants. It's never going to fulfill the hole that's inside of her because there's something wrong with this woman. She dumped her family. Her dad is dying. She won't speak to him. She's ruined another family. It happens to be the royal one. And now they're going to have to sit with the consequences of their own behavior, which is misery. Yeah, and that's Megan Kelly. Yeah, she's good, isn't she? I didn't like it when she interviewed Donald Trump, though. I think she regrets that, too. Now, we're over at newshub.co.nz. You'll find them, newshub.co.nz. And we're reading from the front page there, and all of a sudden, something's gone haywire. So here we go. I, uh, new recycling rules come out today, 1st of February. Pinch and a punch for the first of the month. No returns. All right, then, Digger. No returns. Uh, the changes that come into effect today, and uh, so what have they got there? Let's have a quick look at that and see if I can make head and a tail of it. Oh, they've got a report, and I could play it, but they've got an ad at the beginning, and what else have they got? And big ad goes for 15, 15 seconds, so we're not going to sit through that. And then they've never got the volume right at News Hub. Get your volume right if you want me to do this, if you want me to promote you. <laughs> So here we are. Last year, the previous government introduced a plan to, to standardise recycling nationwide. The plastic bottles, trays and containers grades 1, 2 and 5 are allowed in recycling bins. So too are paper and cardboard, cans and glass, although some councils will collect that separately. There's a list of what's not allowed. It includes small cups and containers, aerosol cans. What do you do with them? Shoot them. Put them up on a post and shoot them that, with the twenty two or a slug gun or something like that. That's a bit of fun, especially the ones that have got paint in them. <laughs> and so, so they've got a list of what you're allowed and what you're not allowed. I don't know. Is this interesting? Probably not. Uh, a list of what's in it this includes paper, um, the tetra packs and the juice boxes, all lids, plastics, three, four, and six, and seven, and aluminium foil. Are they allowed or not? 
Oh, they're not allowed. Uh, there are real benefits to minimising the amount of material going into the landfill. See what they do? They just chuck it in the landfill. <laughs> I told you, they don't recycle it. It's just a nonsense. I tell you what, I like to be a fly on the wall of a, one of those trucks just to see where they do go. Just don't chuck it in the landing. After a I don't know, hundred, couple hundred years, it all disintegrates anyway. Yeah, uh, so the, anyway, they say that, you know, it's all about this Agenda 2030 probably. According to the Ministry of Environment, standardising recycling means extra 36,000 tonnes of waste will be recycled each year. Extra means an extra. 36 tonnes of waste will be oh, recycled. And uh, yeah, OK, so there we are, standard blah, blah, blah. Um, there, OK, that's that story there. It's a nothing one, really. Uh, we've got Swarbrick. Uh, she presents a unique change for Greens as Hipkins risks political redundant, uh, irrelevancy. Yes, he is irrelevant, isn't he? He's a schoolboy, isn't he? I imagine him with little so- shorts, shorts and long socks and a pair of school shorts and a cap and a blazer, probably. If you went to a private school, it would be a blazer, wouldn't it? And, um, and a little satchel going to school. It doesn't really. He's got that squeaky wee voice, hasn't he? Yeah, so that's him. And that's the Greens. And I think it's um, Jenna Lynch. She's, she, yep, she's done an analysis of the, the whole situation. So you can go and read that for yourself at newshub.co.nz. There we are, give them a plug. Now, uh, New Zealand official, officials begin pitching the benefits of joining the AUKUS, they call it, the, the US. No, it's Australia. Uh, is it? No, Australia, UK and US months ago. There's documents apparently. This just come out. Just come out a minute ago, so I haven't had a look at it, but we'll, we'll have, a, have a bash at it. Uh, Phil Pennington, he's reporting for Radio New Zealand. Documents show defence officials have for months been pitching the benefits of joining the, the uh, Australia-UK-US alliance, the AUKUS military alliance. Defence Minister Judith Collins, what does she say? Well, she meets with counterparts in Melbourne. On She met them yesterday. Oh, it's today. Now she's meeting them today. They were on, had a bit of a booze up last night, had a nice meal with Winnie, and they're expected to raise the prospect of joining the non-nuclear part of the deal called the Pillar 2. That's what they call it. A briefing to the previous government just before the election lists eight opportunities for New Zealand's research community and industry. But these are all blanked out in the Official Information Act release, which is what uh, Radio New Zealand would have asked for. Collins told Australian media on the eve of the Melbourne talks, she said, we are interested in being... We are interested in being involved in the Pillar 2. It's not a secret. Uh, Pillar 2 is a rapidly developing military alliance, sort of military technology, including drones, that sort of thing. UK has stressed the need for speed. Uh, uh, the core uh, AUKUS, uh, Australia, UK, US partners, so how you say it? AUKUS, I suppose. Partners, partners, the US, UK and Australia have talked up by the threat of China. China. We, I don't know why we trade with our future enemies anyway. They're going to be our future enemy. We know that because the Bible says the Red Army is going to come across the river Euphrates, which is drying up already. It says it'll dry up. And this great army of 200 million men, the Bible says, we're going, are going to come across them to, towards Israel in the far north there in a valley called Jezreel. It's called the, the, also called the Valley of Armageddon, which is where we get the, uh, the Valley of Medigo, I should say, which is where we get the word Armageddon from, a big war. And that's when Napoleon looked out over that valley and said, this is a good place for a... I say, he would have said in French, oh, son, this is a good place for a battle. And anyway, so the Antichrist, who's going to be re, he's going to be leading the European nations. He'll be running NATO, I suppose, by then. And the, he'll, he, you know, he'll be in charge of the European Parliament. 
and also uh, United Nations as well. He'll be the new leader, and he'll be the devil himself in a man's in, a, in the form of a man. And uh, he, he was going to get a bit of a scare when this army of Chinese or Asians, because they might not all be Chinese, the Red Army of 200 million men. And back in the 1970s, about halfway through the 1970s, China already boasted that they could raise an army of 200 million. That's the exact figure that the Bible says, 200 million men at arms. Coming across that river Euphrates, and he gets the Tatars, this is the Antichrist, scared scared the crap out of him. And uh, rightly so, because they come across, and there's a big fight, a big war. They're all going to be fighting one another. You know, you're going to have the, the Russians are going to be fighting, the, the Asians are going to be having a scrap. It's all going to happen there. I suppose it's good if they have it there, and then we don't get involved in it. New Zealand Defence Force has just, has just one drone. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. It has just uh, done a, there's no R in it, it's just done a, a multi-million dollar deal for thousands of new but much more high-tech drones. Some are able uh they 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 actually help artillery targets and the enemy. So they fly over the top and say, "There, down there, they give you the coordinates and say, there we are. We've got some, we've got some chinks down there. But let let a bomb go because that's they're our future enemy. I'm telling you now, I don't think we should be letting too many more Chinese in because you know they, you don't know whether they could be, you know, a cell group. We've got Muslim cell groups all over the country. Guarantee it. Just waiting to attack, and there'll be Chinese as well. They want to take over. Some people say they they already run Wellington. They run they run the the country. Collins also suggests New Zealand's space industry. Industry? Do we have a space? No, it's not a space industry. That one down at Mahia Peninsula, what's it called? Space, not SpaceX. That's Elon. Uh, that's another fraud. Um, it's, it's a rocket lab. You know what they're doing down there? They're not sending little spacecrafts up there with satellites on them. You know what they're really doing? They're developing rocket engines for the, the U.S. military. That's what they're doing. That's the truth of the matter. Yeah, I know. I know these things. I just know. I know, because there ain't no space. No one goes into space. We live in a terrarium. And so it's, so what are they doing then? They're just pretending it's space. They've just got high-altitude aircraft. That's all they're doing, flying around up there. They can't get out. Can't get past Van Allen Belt. <laughs> Don't know how they did it in 1969. Anyway, funny thing happened on the way to the moon, didn't it? Collins, she suggested New Zealand's space industry might help develop hypersonic technology, a goal shared by Pillar 2 in Washington and London. And uh, already involved local firm Rocket Lab. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's all about warfare. Rocket Lab is a military operation run by NASA. Yeah, it is. It is. Check it out. They run it. They get this guy there that likes rocketry. He's firing rockets off. We can't have him know that we can't get into space. We better take over. We'll offer him millions of dollars. We'll, we'll buy him out. And that's what's happened. Rocket Lab is no longer owned by him. He might be a shareholder. But it's controlled and conducted by NASA. And what are NASA? They're just the military. That's all they are. Military and a bunch of liars telling people that they're going into space and all this nonsense. Anyway, usually the Trans-Tasman meetup on Thursday is a double header. Also, unusually I should say, also involving Foreign Minister Winston Peters and, and his counterpart over there in Australia. Uh, the advice about the benefit of joining Pillar 2 is a five-page briefing to the previous Defence Minister shared with the Minister of Foreign Affairs and of Research, Science and Innovation. Officials are continuing to analyse the opportunities for New Zealand under the AUKUS Pillar 2, uh, the briefing stated. As with other documents released about AUKUS, swathes of blanked out commonly on the grounds of protecting national security, so the public is left none the wiser. We left in the dark. 
We are. Left in the dark. Oh, shit. Shoot. <laughs> News. Both domestic and imported agricultural products. This measure aims to protect French farmers against the influx of cheaper foreign imports, aligning with one of the key demands of the protesters. Additionally, Atal announced immediate emergency assistance for struggling wine producers and expedited disbursement of EU subsidies for other farmers. He also warned of immediate fines for food retailers failing to comply with existing laws designed to guarantee fair revenue distribution to farmers. The protest, intensifying over several days, saw French farmers maintaining overnight barricades from Monday to Tuesday. Their action underscores the challenges they face in farming and animal husbandry, which they claim have become excessively arduous and inadequately profitable. During a meeting in California in November, U.S. President Joe Biden reportedly requested Chinese leader Xi Jinping to refrain from interfering in the 2024 U.S. presidential election, according to CNN. Xi is said to have assured Biden that China would not involve itself in the election process. This conversation was part of high-level talks between the two leaders, with Biden initiating the topic. The issue of foreign interference in U.S. elections has been a recurring concern since Donald Trump's election in 2016, often highlighted by Democrats. Despite various claims of foreign election interference, concrete evidence has been elusive, as seen in special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation in 2019, which found no collusion between the Trump campaign and Moscow. Additionally, in the intelligence report on alleged interference by Russia, China, Iran, and Cuba in the 2022 midterm elections was released with significant redactions. Both Beijing and Moscow have consistently denied allegations of meddling in American elections. However, U.S. officials have continued to voice these concerns. Last week in Bangkok, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken sought a similar commitment from Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, who, like Xi, assured that China would not interfere in the upcoming U.S. election, as per CNN's report. The Bundesbank, Germany's central bank, reported a significant increase in counterfeit euro banknotes discovered within the country in 2023. Approximately 56,600 fake notes were identified, amounting to a total value exceeding 5 million euros. This marks a 28% rise in counterfeit currency cases compared to 2022. Bundesbank board member Burkhard Baltz attributed this surge primarily to several large-scale fraud incidents, predominantly involving fake 200 and 500 euro banknotes. Despite this uptick, Baltz emphasized that these figures are still lower than the peak in 2015 when 95,400 counterfeit euros were detected. He reassured the public that the likelihood of encountering counterfeit money remains minimal with an estimated average of seven fake notes per 10,000 residents in Germany. The use of cash continues to be prevalent in Germany, the European Union's largest economy, where nearly 60% of transactions are conducted in cash, as per a recent Bundesbank study. Representative Cory Bush held a press conference on Tuesday and responded to a Department of Justice investigation looking into the misspending of federal security money and misuse of campaign funds. I can confirm that the Department of Justice is reviewing my campaign spending on security services. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. Thank you very much, James. Five minutes past there. Some of you have only got about two minutes of news, didn't we? <laughs> hey, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We sure would love you to do that. We're on all the social, major social platforms, including, of course, Facebook, Twitter, now X. Instagram, Gab, and Getter, among others. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather.
Right, let's look at the weather. Five minutes past uh, seven. Gosh, time flies, doesn't it, there? The current extremes. We've got Witianga, 19.6 degrees. That's the highest in the whole country. Waiuru is 9.2 degrees. Nugget Point, 31 kilometres of rain. One millimetre of rain. Aside, Nugget Point wind, 31 kilometres. Rain, one millimetre falling at the Chatham Islands at the moment. Temperatures across the country. Stewart Islands, a bit chilly there. Nine degrees. Invercargill's 11. Dunedin, high to you, 15 degrees. Timaru, 14 down there. And uh, Christchurch, 16 degrees. Chathams are on 18 with a bit of rain. Uh, Queenstown, 13. France Joseph, 12, along with Westport. And Nelson's on 16. Did we say Blenheim? No, we did uh, Bleedham, 14 degrees. Wellington, 16 degrees. Masterton, 12. Napier, 14. Palmerston North and uh, New Plymouth, 17 and 13. Taupo and Rotorua, 15 and 16 degrees. Gisborne, 14. Tauranga, 19. Hamilton has 13 degrees this morning. Auckland's on 19, along with Tauranga. And Whangarei, 18. And Kaitaia, right at the top there, 19 degrees for you. The short forecast for Northland Waikato, including the Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty. Also for Taumurunui, Taupo and Taihapi. Fine weather apart from areas of morning cloud. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, some morning cloud, then fog. Or, or fog, I should say. A bit of fog happening there. And then fine apart from isolated showers this afternoon and evening. For Waitomo to Kapiti, uh, mainly fine weather. Cloud increasing this evening with a few showers developing. Wellington, Wairarapa, also Nelson, mainly fine apart from isolated showers this afternoon. For Marlborough and Canterbury, a few showers spreading north this morning and then heavy and possibly thundery inland this afternoon and evening. For Buller and Westland, a few showers about Westland spreading to Buller this afternoon. Fjordland, Southland and Otago, scattered showers. Rain developing in Fjordland this evening. And for the Chathams, periods of rain easing to a few showers a little bit later on. There we are. It's uh, seven minutes past. Seven minutes past. Here's George Carlin. And then we'll come back and have a look at some more news for you. Now, speaking of dead people, there are things we say when someone dies. Most of us say, a lot of us do. Things we say that no one ever questions. They just kind of go unexamined. Give you a couple examples. Uh, after someone dies, the following conversation is bound to take place probably more than once. Two guys meet on the street. Hey, did you hear? Phil Davis died. Phil Davis? I just saw him yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't help. <laughs> he died anyway. Apparently, the simple act of your seeing him did not slow his cancer down. In fact, it may have made it more aggressive. You know, you could be responsible for Phil's death. How do you live with yourself? George, you're a bit quick, but I like you. Nine minutes, eight minutes past seven, and we're over at, uh, where are we, RNZ. You can find Radio New Zealand, that is, RNZ, my former employee. Uh, did they sack me? Uh... Yeah, they sacked me. Uh, let's see. No wonder why they sacked me. <laughs> they did. They sacked me. Now, I'm going to play a record in a minute, a wake-up record. So what you need to do, if you're on Facebook, uh, you need to uh, go off Facebook. Go Either go to Rumble. We just started on Rumble. We've got a few people there on Rumble, just four of them, <laughs> doing really well. Uh, but you, if you want to look at things, but it's probably less if, if you go to um, one of the streams. And the one I like the most has got to be uh, My Tuna because they don't play ads at the beginning, as far as I know. So you go to, just look up mytuna-radio.com. Um, just just search for it, mytuna, not like ch- not with a C-H, with a T-T-U-N-E-R. It's not my t- tuna, actually, correct pronunciation. 
that one there, go there because, and then just look for us, the wireless. You'll see us there. It's got me in, in the studio there with the on air sign and the headphones there. Uh, listening, look like I'm listening to rock and roll ACDC or something like that, but I'm not. I'm not really a fan of ACDC, but I'm going to play a record, and that's why I say this. If you're on Facebook, you're okay on Twitter. Elon allows us to play a bit of music, but I've written to them, I've sent them off all the, you know, the apraphies that we pay every year to play, play the music we play. They keep cutting it out. They're not responding to me. They're not right. So send me an email, I'll send you an up, up, update, you'll send you the attachments, you know, the signed bits, of, the receipts for our, for our, licensing here at the FM station. We're allowed to simulcast as well, you see. That's part of the license. It's an annual fee that we all pay. And anyway, so you won't be able to hear the music. They've been cutting it out. So if the best thing to do is when I play a song, just either go to Rumble or go to one of the streams. Now, down in the description there, you should see one of the streams. Just click on that because you'll, if you want to know what the music is. But I've got a bit of music coming up uh, in a moment after we finish with Radio New Zealand. Uh, I've got some wake-up music coming. I've got it. It's called... Um, a Sky Full of Stars by Coldplay. That'll get you going, eh? If you're, if you're late getting out of bed. I was out at four this morning. I love getting up early. Go outside, put the old toes on the ground, have a bit of walk around. It's really good. Look at the stars. Thank the Lord for, for the day. And that my, the favourite time, my favourite time is between five and six right now, this time of the year when the sun's not up yet, but it's becoming light. I love that. And I, while the news is on or something like that, Probably yeah, news at six. Sometimes I'm a bit late. Well, if I can manage to play sort of something that's a bit, you know, a minute long, I whip around and pull all the blinds up. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I'm funny. When I'm in my my little my little house, uh, what I do is I, I I like my big window because it's got really good vis. You can see well. This <laughs> visibility. Um, it was who is that now? Billy T. Good visibility. Couldn't say it. Was it him? Or was another? It might have been the Australian comedian that came over doing something, some ad for, I don't know, doing for Toyota or whatever. But anyway, I liked my blinds there. But when I'm sitting in the studio, I don't like, I don't like uh, windows um, undrawn, you know, curtains undrawn or blinds, I like them down. But I don't like things to the back of me. You know, it's like when I go into a restaurant, I like to be sitting so I can see who's coming in the door. don't know why. It's just one of those things, some mental and emotional symptom that I've got. If I look in the homeopathic books, there's probably something there. I probably need a remedy. Probably need a dose of belladonna or arsenic or something. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so, but when, when I play the music, you've got to go somewhere else or they cut it off. Just a pain in the butt. Just a pain in the butt. And fortunately, they don't seem to be docking me for talking about the Jovid-19 Jackson. <laughs> Just good. Probably because I speak in code. Anyway, 12 minutes past, 12 past seven. I hope you're having a good morning today. First of, um, and for those that have come in late, we'll have a look at what happened on this day in history as well, just to remind you. I think I've spoken about it. We'll go into it in a bit, wee bit more detail. It's quite an interesting day. Compulsory police fitness tests are too hard, according to a former cop. The standard needs to change if police want to recruit and keep staff. An ex-cop. Well, it's got nothing to do with fitness. It's all to do with that cops didn't want to be doing stupid stuff, and it's the same with the defence force. They they didn't want to be standing on the you know on the on the corner you know standing at these um, uh, checkpoints they had around the country, a bit like during Second World War in Germany they had checkpoints. It was just like that, you know, the Nazis taking over, and we did. We had the Nazis taking over during the Jovid Jovid nineteen jab, uh, and they were you know basically. They didn't want to do that. This is what not what they signed up for. They didn't join the military to be doing that, you know. You know, listening to people irate people like me, uh, telling them, you know, reading the Bill of Rights to them, uh, and the cops are the same. They didn't want to be doing all this stuff. The good cops have left, and they haven't left because they're not fit. 
This is the, this is just spin, spin doctrine. This is propaganda here. They're saying it's because they're, they're not fit enough. Nothing to do with it. They, they are leaving in droves because they, they don't want to be bad cops. They're good people, and that's why they've left, because they were, they were being used. They were being weaponized by the communists, the government that just went out, and now they've got the fascists. They, they, uh, they were weaponized, and they were used you know, to go around and, and uh, harass people like John Ansell. You know, who just wrote something in his Facebook post, you know, about that, that people, this is what he said. He said there should be judicial executions if it's proven that, that the government and, you know, officials and medical people uh, were uh, uh, jab murdering people. Because that's what they are. They're jab murderers. And he said there should be judicial executions. Well, nothing wrong with that. And, of course, someone reported that, you know, he's saying that, that the politicians should be hung. And couldn't they spin it and, you know, or they should be, you know, kill all the politicians. And that's not what he said at all. But that's, what, that's how they like to spin it, isn't it? That's what the left do. And the right, too. They all do it. They don't they? You know, suit their own. Suit their, the collectivists, that's what they do. But that's what he said. He's very careful about what he said. But they went around and basically intimidated him. And they didn't say who they were. And he's got the recording there. If you go over to John Ansell's Facebook page, it's probably there. He put it up when he recorded them. And they just were a, a bunch of dicks, really. They shouldn't be allowed in the police. Very poor Poor behaviour. So the good cops have left the police force, and that's what it's about. It's got nothing to do with fitness at all. You don't want some weakling turning up, do you, uh, to help you? Uh, now, and the police minister, of course, I'm not sure about him. You know, he's saying, oh, we're going to ban gang patches. It's got nothing to do with it. It's like banning the burqa. That doesn't stop Islamic terrorism. <laughs> the terrorists don't wear burqas. Honestly. And they don't wear, you know, all that hijabs or whatever it's called. They don't. And it's the same with the gang members. I, I want to know who the gang members are. And most of them are very pleasant to the public. Very pleasant. You know, how you doing? Oh, good. You know, especially if you, if you talk to them. You know, I'll be filling up at the petrol station there and a guy, guy will come in with full facial tattoos and, and on his Harley. And I go, oh, nice bike you got there. And it was a nice bike too. Beautiful sound, don't they? Beautiful sound, the sound of the Harley Davidson. Hey, and the Norton, <laughs> oh boy, and the Triumph, <laughs> oh beautiful, beautiful sound. Just I might, I might find some sound effects and we'll play some motorbike noises and V8s as well. But anyway, just say, oh, beautiful bike. And, and he, if, you, if you just sort of approach them friendly, they're really friendly back. Most of the, the gang violence is between themselves. It's all over drugs, isn't it? But there's no point in, they're gonna, this fellow, this halfwit we've got as a minister, Mark Mitchell, he says that he's going to make them wear women's foundation to cover up their facial tattoos. Well, that's against the Bill of Rights, Mark. I suggest you go and wear the Bill of Rights because the freedom of expression is a major clause in the Bill of Rights, and he's expressing himself through his facial tattoos. And if he wants to desecrate his face with ink, he's allowed. Why can't he? That doesn't, mean, that doesn't stop him from being a criminal by covering up his face. So you're a flippin' half-wit. Get stuck in and stop the crime and forget about what people are wearing. Forget about their patches on the back. Who, who cares what they wear? It's just a nonsense. And, it's just a, it's, and they know it's a nonsense. But it's like they're pretending to do something about it. But they're all weak. They're as weak as piss. And, you know, there's more gangs than there is policemen. <laughs> if the gangs decided they wanted to have a war with the cops, they wouldn't have a hope. They would, they would probably have to call in the army, and that wouldn't be any good because 80% of the people in the army are Maori anyway. <laughs> We're talking Maori gangs here, of course, like Mungle Bob, Black Power, that sort of thing. I find them quite pleasant, actually, I've got to tell you. Quite pleasant, most of them. 
except when there's alcohol involved. And we heard from, uh, and drugs, we heard from uh, Jordan Peterson about alcohol. Or I think he said most of the, almost all of the family violence just surrounds alcohol. You know, you don't really have too many arguments over it. Sit down with a cup of tea, do you? <laughs> Give it up, boy. If you've got something that um, is controlling you, I think the best thing is just give it up. 17 minutes past seven, and a very good morning to you. We are talking about the half-witted police minister, Mark Mitchell. Uh, he actually looks like he says things that he shouldn't be saying, a bit like you. <laughs> a bit like me. Yeah, um, anyway, he says he's had to correct the record on recruitment. Government is sticking to the goal of police officers on in the, the two years, 500 of them, according to the Prime Minister. Christopher Luxon, he's another collectivist. Uh, he's another fascist, really. He doesn't realise he's a fascist, but he is. He is a fascist. All the tyrants throughout history were collectivists. They did things for the good of the group and not for the individual rights. They ride roughshod over your individual rights. And Mark Mitchell, your half-wit, has got nothing to do with what they're wearing on their face. Fancy even suggesting such a stupid thing. I think you should be struck off. Can we do that? Can we strike them off? Yeah, probably not. He's a minister. Was he elected? Has he been elected? Was he, what do they call them, the, um, the list MPs where they just give you a job? I don't know. But anyway, that's a pretty dumb thing. Now, Wellington, when is that council going to get stuck in and fix those 3,050 leaks they've got? They've got water pissing all over the place, and at the same time, they're telling us not to use our hoses. We can't water the garden. And now they want 15% rate hikes out of us. To fix the pipes. It's going to be on the cards, apparently. Council staff are recommending putting $1.1 billion towards water infrastructure. Why didn't you do it earlier when it was millions? And this is over the next 10 years. $1.1 billion. That's a lot of money, isn't it? That's going in there to fix the pipes. But don't you dare tell us that we've got not allowed to water our garden when you've got water just pissing all over the place. Are you offended by that word, piss? Some of you Christians are listening and you don't like that word, do you, when I say piss? Well, it's a Bible word. Are you offended by Bible words, piss? Oh, I don't know. Kill all those who pisseth up against the wall. That's what the scripture says. So, you know, God God said it. I didn't. I didn't. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Uh, nationwide recycling. Oh, we got that. Yeah, more rubbish. Just getting you used to doing what you're told. Getting you used to sort of doing little things, put that there, put that there, do what you're told there, no no smoking. If you want to have a cigarette, you should be allowed to have a cigarette. They're going to stop you from smoking. It's unbelievable how they can do that. And they, they start off with things like that, you know, which everyone thinks all oh, smoking is bad for you, but is it really? I don't know. I think the vaccines are a lot worse for you. <laughs> the jab scenes, I should say. Oop, we could be in trouble there. I think uh, having allowing your child to have childhood vaccines is far worse than smoking cigarettes. In fact, there's new data out now that says that nicotine actually uh, can help you in staving off certain diseases. Now, I've got that information. I did promise you that I was going to bring it, but I haven't, I haven't got it with me. My friend Lisa sent that to me, and it was very interesting. I've got to have a good look at it, and I might chop it up. I might chop it up into some little segments, one minute and two minutes, something like that, and I can play that during the breakfast program next week. Here at the World at Five with me, Grant Edwards. Now, uh, police monitoring mongrel mob members travelling through Porirua to a funeral... They don't normally bother the public, do they? Uh, police are monitoring a large number of mongrel mob members travelling through Porirua for a funeral. Porirua Mayor said the procession would start at 8.30. Ever since I was a kid, I can remember the, co- the people just hate it. They, they don't like the sound of it. They just, they just don't like to see it. It's like, the, it's like, the, you know, like a military operation, all these, all these great big thundering Norton commanders and, and um, 
um, what do they have, triumphs with a pig's, an actual pig's head <laughs> from the butcher shop on the front of the, I remember this, on the front of the motorcycle strapped down with a bit of baling twine on the front of the handlebars there, pig's head. <laughs> Big chains they used to wear around their back, you know, over the shoulder, so they chain up the bike. They wear chains. And then they'd use them when they're having a fight too. I remember they had a scrap in Palmerston North Square there once. I was in hospital at the time. I had an electric shock and I was in hospital. And one of the ga- the bikey wenches, she came in there and she was telling me all about it. You know, this older girl, she would have been about 15, I suppose. And I was just a you know wee boy under 10. I was probably seven or eight. Oh, no, I was five. I was really small. And she was telling me all about what they were doing. She said, oh, yeah, my, my boyfriend, he could, I said, we're four stories up here. Do you think he could get up here? He could get in here if he wanted to. You know, so she's she loves the gangs, but anyway, um, they don't normally cause too much trouble. Though normally it's all fighting amongst themselves. But at what I remember when I was a child, they'd come through Levin, and there would be, there'd be fri- it was fri- a bit frightening, not for me, but the cops they didn't like it. I think they made a big song and dance about it. Just let them drive through on their bikes, you know, a bit of noise. So it's good. Anyway, the gang members are attending a funeral of a man who died in Tawa last week. The police say that they would be visible around. Uh, Huenua Tapu Cemetery, that's where they're going to lay the poor chap to rest. They also have approved a stop all traffic lights. Oh, that's good of them. And stop intersection. I don't know. Do they need to do that? I suppose it would keep them all together, I suppose. Pororua Mayor Anita Baker. Isn't she a singer, Anita Baker? There is, isn't there? I'm sure there is. I'll look it up in a minute and see, see what she's singing. She must be from Porirua, Anita Baker. She said that uh, a lot of gang members had already arrived and had gone smoothly so far. She said, Kapiti Mana, what's Mana? Kapiti Mana, a relieving area manager, Simon DeWitt, what did he say? He said motorists could expect to see a large number of gang members and associates travelling through the region. He urged all those travelling on the roads not to act in a way that puts other road users at risk and said, People should respect delays. Gotta respect them. Yeah, look, not often they all travel in a big gang. Having a serious, they're saying goodbye to their mate. Let them go through. And I think it's very nice that they actually turn the lights off and let them go through. Why not? And it's fun to watch, isn't it? You sit there and watch and hear the roar of the motorbikes. Anyone concerned about say, oh, you need a dose of arsenicum. That's what you need. No, they're not going to cause you any trouble. Anyway, the Meta, uh, Meta ex-bosses grilled by the U.S. senators, this is over in the United States, about the child sex exploitation, really. Oh, yeah, that'll be on there, on, you know, uh, what do you call it, on social media. Uh, U.S. senators have grilled the biggest social media and messaging companies, saying that they have failed to do enough to protect children from sexual predators on their platforms. Congress must quickly pass legislation. Is there more legislation? Just look, if your parents don't let them, don't give them. We didn't let our kids just watch the, what, you know, have, have the phone. Well, they never had phones. What do you need a phone for? And they were never allowed to just sit and watch TV. We didn't have TV. We'd shut the thing off. We would play certain videos for them. That's why they turned out so well. <laughs> so far, 20, 24 and 26 turned out so bad. Oh, yeah, my daughter's getting married. It's lovely. Yeah, I'm going to be a granddad. That's nice, isn't it? I've always wanted to be a granddad. Uh, so, I haven't been one before. Um, now, uh, so so this is in America. Oh, how did I get onto that? Um, the hearing on Wednesday, local time, marks the latest effort by lawmakers to address the concerns. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you don't let your kids watch. Um, don't let them have the uh, computer on their own. You know, pay attention. Mothers, don't go to work. Do you know that families, it's been proven 
the statistics are out there, 25 past 7 too. Um, the statistics, can't get the word, no, can't get the words out today. The statistics are there that a mother staying at home looking after the children and the husband, the wife, we'll say wife, they, the leftists hate that, wife and husband, they hate those two words. Um, the husband goes out to work, the family bring in more income when she stays home, looks after the kids, and he goes out. A, he's got the responsibility of providing for the family, and he gets his, pulls his finger out. And B, he's not sort of like having to go off and, you know, bring it. She's working, and oh, I've got to, oh, sorry, mate, I've got to, I can't carry on this afternoon. I've got to take the kid to the doctor, that sort of stuff. She takes care of all that. She gets the tyres changed on the car while, while he's at work, you know. That's why in advertising back in the day, back when women stayed at home and men went to work, the People that were selling tyres, they, they actually targeted them towards women because it was the women that brought the car in to get the new tyres for the vehicle while the hubby was at work. Hubby, in other words, you hate, isn't it? Husbands and wives. Oh, lovely, Grant. Just say it. Husbands and wives, not partners. You're not partners. You actually are husbands and wives, even if you don't have a ceremony, even if you don't sign a document, just a legal document. It doesn't mean to say you're not married. You are married. What about when two homos join themselves together? I don't know. What do you call that? An abomination? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, so you don't let your kids watch rubbish. Stay at home and you make more money by the dad going out and mum staying home and always being there for when those kids walk in that door. That, those first few minutes of seeing your children, it's wonderful. All this, oh, I'm so excited about what, what happened at school today. And you get to hear it. You just shut up and listen. And the stuff they tell you is amazing. And uh, so that's some of the most exciting times in my life, remembering, getting, making the lunches for them. I used to enjoy doing that in the morning, get up early and make lunches for them before they went off to school. And uh, I don't know, something about put a little note in or something and, you know, cut up something special for them and you know, make it interesting. I used to enjoy doing that. It was my job. I did that. Um, and then when the children came to live with me, I was, I was, well, I had to be doing it, didn't I? But it was good good value and uh that those are the times and but so you've got to be there for them you can't just have them coming home and getting it because they'll get into trouble they will and so don't let your kids watch this stuff and it's not up to the government to regulate this is just getting us used to sort of control what you know what's behind all this they want to control the media they want to control the internet see the internet came out it was power to the people that was a great thing about the internet but now they don't like it that we've got we, we can get information and we know what they're doing. We can research things and find out, oh, hang on, they're all singing out of the same globalist vulture hymn book. That, you know, they're all singing out of the same, singing the same tune about um, one-worldism. <laughs> you know? Globalism is basically just a one-world government. That's what they want to do. And, and the Bible tells us that's what's going to happen in the future. That's what's coming. You can't stave it off. You're not going to make a liar out of the Bible. We won't make a liar out of God. It's going to happen. We're going to have a man. He's going to rise up. He's going to be a, the devil incarnate. And he's going to rule this place for a very short period of time. And it all hinges around, it all revolves around Israel. Because he's going to pretend that he's Jesus. That's, he's going to pretend that he's actually um, the descendant of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. That Jesus never died on the cross. This is what he's going to say. Guarantee it. Guarantee that's what he'll say. Never died on the cross and I'm from the royal bloodline. You remember that book by Michael Bajan, Richard Lee and Henry, Henry someone? One of them's a Kiwi. The Holy Blood, Holy Grail. The Pre-Edition. They pretend that Jesus never died on the cross, that their family, this, that's what the Templars were doing. They were protecting this royal bloodline, this, these, these, this royalty from Israel, Zion, 
the Prier de Sion, the, you know, the, the Priory of Zion. That's what it's about. That's what they believe. And people are going on about Zionists, but I'll tell you what, the real problem is going to be when that Antichrist comes out because he's going to pretend that he's the Messiah. He's going to say, I am God. That's what the Bible says he's going to do. And he's going to fool most of you Christians. He's going to fool you into believing that he is the Messiah and people are going to follow him. And they're going to receive his mark in their forehead, in, not on, in. King James, you need a King James to get the full understanding of what the Bible says. That's the one that God has preserved in English. Only need to do it once, did it in 1611. Doesn't need to keep doing it. You've got people like Rupert Murdoch having um, rights to, you know, the NIV, the Nutty Idiots version. Anyway, so... Um, and when he takes over, it's going to be all hell break loose. You'll have a mark in your right hand and a mark in your forehead, unless. But if you, if you, and you're going to swear allegiance to him, the Antichrist. Except he won't be called. He'll be called the Great World Leader, and people, Christians, will think he's Jesus, <laughs> reincarnate. They will. They'll convince him that he'll be the Antichrist. He'll be in place of Christ. He won't be the real Christ. He'll be the man of sin. He'll be the beast. The Bible calls him the beast. And there's going to be two beasts. The other beast is going to be a false prophet, and I believe that'll be one of the popes coming up because he'll ride into power using Rome. The Roman Catholic Church will help bring him into power. And then when he's in power and got control, he'll turn on Babylon. He'll turn on the whore of Babylon, which is basically the the religious Babylonian goddess worship, which is Roman Catholicism today. There are Christians in the Roman Catholic Church, and they're commanded to come out of her. Come out. And so that's why. If you're, a, if, you're a, if you're a Christian and you're in the Roman Catholic system, you're in pagan idolatry, and you need to come out of it. You don't worship idols. None of that in the Bible. We don't walk around wearing crosses. Even Anglicans are doing that as well. Silly. You don't see any of that in the New Testament. No, you worship God in spirit. You don't, you don't have to wear, you don't have to have symbols and light candles to the dead and all that. It's all rubbish. If you read the Bible for yourself, you'd know. Sola Scriptura. That's all you need. You don't need the Pope. You don't need the priest and drunken pedophile telling you how to operate. <laughs> he doesn't know. He needs to be saved himself. You know, he gives you the last rites. Gosh, getting the last rite from some pedophile uh, priest, drunken priest. No, thank you. Anyway, we're getting back to the story. And so what I think it is, is just they want to control what you watch. And, and they start off with things like smoking, controlling what you put in your body, what you have, what you eat, where you go. No, no driving on the beach, no going fishing on the rocks, shut off the beach, um, you know, no smoking. What, because these are the things, you know, they always look for an opportunity where they can take away more of your freedom. And it doesn't matter whether it's national or labor or the Greens or Act, doesn't matter who it is, they're all collectivists, they all believe, they're all heading, they don't realize that it's the mystery of iniquity. They're all going down this channel towards a one world government and they don't realize it because it's a mystery of iniquity. And they're all involved and yet they don't know it. They don't know where, where this is leading them. They think it's good because everything's sold to you as being good, isn't it? Otherwise you wouldn't buy it. And so that's what's happening. That's my opinion. Anyway, my in my humble opinion, 28 minutes away from 8, news at 8. Gosh, today's flown, hasn't it? We haven't done much news reading, which is probably good. <laughs> probably good for you. Anyway, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, they said. Who said that? I'll just have a quick cough. Yeah, Zuckerberg. Mr. Zuckerberg, you are the companies, uh, uh, you and the companies before us. I know you don't mean it. 
to be so, but you have blood on your hands, said the Senator Lindsey Graham. Well, you're a half-wit, Graham. We know what you're doing. I don't even know if you know what you're doing. You're going to take away our freedom to watch whatever we want, to research and find out stuff about people like you, and to do things that we want to do. You're just taking away our freedom, getting us used to queuing, getting us used to shortages. You know, with all these electric cars people are going on about, we don't have the infrastructure here. We never, we're never going to have it. Why is that? Well, they're not, they're not planning on us having electric cars. Us peasants, we won't have them. Only people like Elon Musk and you know, the wealthy people of the world, the Graham Hearts of the world, and the, I don't know if Watson is anymore. I think he went broke, didn't he? I don't know. Uh, anyway, those people, they, they might have an electric car. So they're not planning on very many on the grid. And they won't have them after a while. They'll probably be running diesel. They have a secret secret stash of diesel. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. That's the best of the lot, if you ask me. So what they'll do is um, we won't be we'll be walking around on Shanks's pony. What Shanks's pony? Well, uh, that's just walking around. That's just an old slang term for you know, walking around. You'll be walking. You might be allowed a scooter if you're a good boy. You might be allowed a scooter. But then if you say something naughty on social media, they'll just shut it off while you're driving along, and it won't go anymore. <laughs> Everything's got to be regulated. You're going to be on the grid and you'll have the mark in your head and in your forehead, but we won't, not us, not real Christians. We wouldn't dare. We'd rather die because we know that if we take that mark, the Bible tells us that we cannot enter kingdom. Something happens, that mark in our head or in our forehead. That's, it's more than just a mark. It's more than just transactional things. It says you can't buy or sell except you have that mark, but it's more than that. I think it'll medicate us as well, and I think it might change us into being non-human. And so I don't think we will be able to go to heaven because we won't be human anymore. We would have gone sort of like transhuman perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. But what happens is they didn't think it through because the Bible says that everyone that takes that mark in their right hand and in their forehead, they start to present with noisome sores. Noisome means smelly, stinking sores. So if you've got a disease in your body, as a result of having something put into your body, because that's the only way you get disease. It doesn't just fly around. You have to be injected into you. You have to be ingested into you. So this thing's going to be inserted under the skin, in the right hand and in the forehead, and it's going to do something to you that's going to make you very ill. You'll be diseased. Your body will not be at ease anymore. That's where disease. That's the real meaning of disease. It's not germs from the outside. It means that there's something you've eating bad food. You've, in, you've had a bad injections. And there's been a lot of that, isn't there? And you will start to present. That's the least of all organs, the skin. And so the vital force of every human being, it pushes the disease towards the skin so that, you, so that a real physician, someone like a homeopath, that knows, well, not the quacks we've got here in New Zealand, but a real, a real medical physician who's trained in homeopathy, he will say, aha, and there's hundreds of years of... of um, uh, of documentation that he can go to, and and um, cl- trials and every every medicine that they give the homeopath has been proven, proven before it goes out. Like cures like they know exactly what it will do in a well person, so that when a person who is unwell presents with similar, not the same but similar symptoms, that particular substance will cure them. And I say cure which they don't say, do they? They say, well, try this, this might help. Yeah, we can treat it with that. Not allowed to say cure, but they do cure. Homeopaths, a good homeopath, they do cure. You find the best ones in India, Germany, and the United Kingdom. 
So anyway, it presents on the skin. They're going to take this mark in the right hand and on the forehead, and then it's going to all this. It's going to disease their bodies. They're not going to like it. Something wrong with it. Something happens. The body gets sick. So it changes them so badly, and it presents on the skin because the least of all organs, right? And so I'm sort of repeating myself a bit. But anyway, they're, they're sick as dogs, and you'll know. And those people there that take that mark, they're all going to get that. And us Christians are going to have our heads chopped off if we're still here. If we're lucky enough, if, if we've got our Bible verses correctly, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, First Thessalonians chapter 4 and First Corinthians chapter 15. There we are, write those down. New Testament. First Corinthians, this is a mystery. They didn't know the Old Testament saints didn't know this. No one knew it until Paul said it. It was a mystery. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord, Jesus Christ, in the air. They don't meet him in Israel when he comes back with the saints. The Bible says the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. That's us. He returns with us to the to the to Armageddon. And we watch him destroy the Antichrist and the armies that rise up against the the, the creator of heaven and earth. So that's what we're going to watch. The Bible says that in the Old Testament. Behold, the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. Do you know that he's going, the Bible says in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ, this is gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon the little child. He's going to return as the Lion of Judah in flaming fire with his mighty angels, taking vengeance on all those that know not God and obey not the gospel. So you better get yourself sorted, hadn't you? You better find out what's going to happen to you when you kick the bucket. Otherwise, you ain't going to be going to heaven. And you want to go to heaven, don't you? And the Bible is true. When the Bible says something, it always comes true. You can trust it. You can't trust anyone else. And the Bible tells us that this world is full of lies because it's run by the God of this world. And who's that? With a little G. His name is Lucifer. And he runs it. He's the mystery of iniquity. He's, he's controlling the children of disobedience. And who are they? Everyone, everyone that ha- doesn't believe by faith that Jesus Christ, God, sent his son, Jesus Christ, God himself in human form, down to earth, born as a baby, grew up as a chippy, and then laid down his life for your sins and mine so that we don't have to pay for them ourselves. He's done it for us. All you have to do is believe that he did that. Just believe, believe it. You know what it's like not to be believed? Horrible. Imagine how God feels. Created the whole world, and there's atheists out there who don't even believe he exists. Look around. It's evidence. <laughs> it didn't happen on its own. Your millions of years doesn't ex- that won't help you. Because if you could wait, if you could wait for a hundred trillion billion years, is such a thing? I don't know. You could wait that long, and nothing would change. Because non-living matter cannot reproduce living matter. There has to have been a supernatural life force present. And all things came from that. And that's what the cutting edge of science is now. That's what they're saying. There might, well, there, could be a, there must be a supernatural life force present and all things come from that because it's not reasonable that we came from nothing. And we go, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we call that God. <laughs> that supernatural life force that always existed, a self-existing, it says. That's what they say. Self-existing 
life force, and all things came from that. Well, that's God. So Jesus, what did he do? He laid, he paid the price for all our sins. When we broke, God sent us the law, because without the law there's no transgression. So you need to know what you're doing wrong. But he's lawful. And guess what he did? He's like a judge. He said, convicted you. You're, you're guilty. The wages of sin is death. Guilty is charged. Off to hell you go. And then the judge said, right, this is God. He said, I will pay your penalty. So he became one of us, came to earth in human form, laid down his life for us on that Roman cross. And all we have to do is believe that he did that for us. That's it. Nothing else. Don't have to do anything else. Don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. That all goes, that's the Old Testament. That all goes out the window. Because if you become a Christian, you will be keeping them without even knowing it, without even trying. Because the Bible says we live by the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus. That is the new law. That is the law. And so all of the non-Christians, they're under the law. They're condemned by the law. The wages of sin is death. So Jesus came and he died for it. He took your punishment. And he died on that cross so you don't have to go to hell. Why? Why does God send you to hell? Well, because you don't keep your rubbish, do you? You don't sleep with it under your pillow. So why would God keep his rubbish? You don't even believe he exists. You don't believe that he came and laid down his life for you and rose again three days later? That's it. That is the gospel, that he died on that cross, died, dead, that he shed his, his blood was shed for you, died, buried, three days later. That's full three days and three nights. Not He didn't go in on Friday and come up on Sunday morning. He was crucified on a Wednesday. There was a Sabbath at sunset on Wednesday that year, according to Robert Anderson in the book The Coming Prince. So he had three full days in in the grave, then he rose again according to scripture. That is the gospel. You find that in First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, and this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again three days later. And we just have to believe that by faith. We have to receive that. And if you receive it, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to go to a priest. They can't, they can't cleanse you of sins. You can't go through Mary. Mary was a sinner. So you just have to pray. Where you are now, you can pray. Say, Lord, please forgive me. I believe by faith. Because even if I took you in a time machine back to the foot of the cross, you'd still need to have faith. To believe that he was dying for you right there. That bloody man up there, see that mess? Up there? He, could, he, he was marred more than any man, the Bible says. And you're, you're at the foot there and I'm taking you in a time machine. There he is. He's dying for you. You'd still need faith to believe it if, even then, 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, blessed is he that believes without seeing. So there's a blessing with it. But just believe by faith. And you can trust that book. It's perfect at the word level. That King James Bible, you can trust it. You can't trust what other Christians tell you the Bible says, but you can trust the words on the page. And words have meanings and context. And you can study it. And it's, there. it's written for us. It's not written for some scholar. It's written for ordinary people. And it's written in the easiest type of English there is. 
It's one and two syllable Anglo-Saxon words, the King James Bible. Words like home, H-O-M-E. New versions, dwelling. That's a harder word. According to the Flesh Kincaid grade level indicator, the NIV is a more difficult they use more difficult words. Why is that? Because all the good words, all the easy words have been taken. God took them. There's no copyright on the King James Bible. There's a crown copyright, which means you're not to change anything. But it's uncopyrighted. Thy word shall not be bound, the Bible says. So it's not going to be bound by a copyright. So no one owns it. God owns it. Another word, old. New King, new new version, and don't get a new King James. That's a counterfeit, counterfeit King James, not a real King James. You need an old one. Uh, old, the new versions NIV says, uh, what's the word it says? Elderly. That's a harder word. So it's just one and two syllables. So it's very easy. Evil, devil. It's very easy, and it's got a built-in dictionary too. According to, um, can't remember her name. She wrote a book about it. New Age Bible versions. Gail, Gail, Gail Ripplinger. Look her up. Watch some of her videos. Very good. It's very interesting. So anyway, that's what you've got to believe, isn't it? That Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's his name. From the, from the house of David. He descended all the way from Adam, all the way through. Right the way through. And Mary, that was his mother. Joseph was not his father. But they came from the same family, but there was a little change because if they were from one one testament, uh, one gospel to the other, there's a difference. And the atheists, they say, look, see, see, people like Hitchens and Hitchens or whatever, they say, there's a mistake there, you see. See that one there says that it's different. Well, of course it is, otherwise they'd be brother and sister, wouldn't they? So Mary was his mother. God was his, was his father. And if you believe in the Trinity, which I do, if you don't believe in that, I don't know how you can be saved. The Bible says it all the way through. It says a child in Isaiah 7, I think it says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his sh shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, capital W, Wonderful, Counselor, capital G, uh, C, <laughs> uh, Wonderful, Counselor, um, the mighty God, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. That's who Jesus is. That's who this little boy is that, that came to earth. He was God himself in human form, and he took your punishment for you, just like the judge finds you guilty, and then instead of you having to – he can't let you off. He doesn't forgive your sins and let you go off you go. Someone has to pay. So God pays. The judge came, came down, took his wig off, goes down to the bailiff's office and he pays the penalty for his brother who has been convicted of a crime, of, of well, a misdemeanor, just a fine. He pays it for you. And that's what God's done for us. He's come to earth and he's kept the law that we've broken because he's so perfect and so pure and so powerful and so righteous and he always, he's, he's just and so we can't get off. We have to. Um, it has to be paid for. And Jesus has paid for it for us so that we don't have to pay for it. 
And that's all, and all we have to do is believe it. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments, which the Seventh-day Adventist false cult, the most dangerous cult of all of the cults, is the Seventh-day Adventist religion. Because they say, oh, you believe in Jesus, yeah, believe in that, you accept him as your saviour. And then they put you back out of the law. And that's adding to the work of Christ. We live by the law of of um, the law of um, uh, what does it say? We live by the law of faith in Christ Jesus. It's it's Romans chapter eight, I think, eight one. We live by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, I got it. We live by the law of the Spirit of life of Christ. Oh, you have to look it up. Romans eight, I think. I think it is. There we are. And so there. So you need to do. I so. I know I've gone on a bit today. I don't normally go and do this, but I think it's important. I don't know. Someone needs to hear it. A word in due season, perhaps. And so, yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. And, uh, you know, we don't know when, what day will you die? Are those people that went for a drive the other night in um, Wangarei? Uh, what was it? During the day, I think in the morning it was. Killed. Boom, instantly. Just like that. You don't know. You don't know what day you'll die, do you? So therefore you should repent today because you don't know whether, what tomorrow brings. There's a scripture that says, um, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And another scripture says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is but a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Okay, now I was going to play Coldplay, but I don't know if I should. Um, let me see. Uh, what about Netanyahu? There we are. He slams the he slams the South African genocide uh, case against him. Yeah, so they the South Africa have gone to court and they want Netanyahu to um, to be be had up on genocide case uh, because of what's happening in Gaza. They forget all about the October seventh. Uh, massacre where the Islamic Muslim terrorists that they are Mohammedans decided to just go and slaughter people. They forget about that. What would you do? <laughs> oh boy. Well, what do you think? Uh, because it's Israel, because they have children of disobedience, the most of the world, they hate God and they hate his children because in the Bible it says that they are the children of God. They are special to him. Yep, God has favorites. Sorry, he does. Israel's commitment to international law is unwavering. Equally unwavering is our sacred commitment to continue to defend our country and defend our people. Like every country, Israel has an inherent right to defend itself. The vile attempt to deny Israel this fundamental right is blatant discrimination against the Jewish state, and it was justly rejected. The charge of genocide leveled against Israel is not only false, it's outrageous, and decent people everywhere should reject it. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, look, I, I was going to play Coldplay, but I can't. I won't. We've got Richard Vobes, and I think I've just got time to, to play him just before the news at eight we have. So this is Richard Vobes. Very interesting. I like him a lot. I'm indebted to one of my lovely viewers sending in um, a photograph to my email account. And I apologize if I can't get to your emails, by the way. There are so many of them and so many wonderful messages of encouragement and also lots of links to videos that unfortunately in my busy life it's so difficult to get to watch them and 
people send in links to videos that are an hour or two hours long. And when you're getting 10 or 12 of these videos, you can imagine you can't actually get anything else done. But I do appreciate the emails. And every now and again, one will inspire me to talk on my monologue. And this was one in which the, uh, the correspondent sent the image of a sign on a road. Now, we know what road signs are like, and we've seen the idiocy of these 20-mile-an-hour type signs, and I'm not talking about that. 88.1 FM. Oh, my fault. I was mucking around here, and, uh, oh, my goodness me. R Richard, where have you gone? There he is. Okay, now, there we go. We'll just move him up a bit. Sorry about that. Oh, gosh, that was silly. What were we, how far were we in? About... About 30 seconds, I suppose, and we'll go back a bit. There we go. And when you're getting 10 or 12 of these videos, you can imagine you can't actually get anything else done. But I do appreciate the emails. And every now and again, one will inspire me to talk on my monologue. And this was one in which the, uh, the correspondent sent the image of a sign on a road. Now, we know what road signs are like, and we've seen the idiocy of these 20-mile-an-hour type signs, and I'm not talking about that, although why we put up with that, I don't know, when we live in an area that is our area and not necessarily the council's. We know that we live in a system, and the system, unless if we acquiesce to it, if we consent to it, will keep us down. And the answer, of course, is not to be in their system. And this takes me back to this sign. It was a sign for a road, a private road. And it said, no trespassing. It said, do not enter. This is a private road. So what goes on in that road had nothing else to do with the rest of society. It was private. And it struck me, of course, that this is a great way to, as an example of what living in the private really means. We think of ourselves as, as living privately anyway, but actually the minute we go out, we're being surveilled. We go into the supermarket now and there's cameras everywhere looking at you, taking your uh, DNA, your biometrics, your thumbprints. Uh, um, they're, they're, they're constantly watching you. You're made to feel as if you are a criminal. What is that camera? Why is that? There's another one over there. And of course, they say, oh, well, shoplifting is rife at the moment, so we have to have all of this. Although actually nobody's challenging the shoplifters. And it seems to me that the police have forgotten what their role is in society. They seem now to be more intent on collecting money uh, rather than actually going around and keeping the peace, like the old constables used to do in the days of Dixon of Doc Green, for those people of a certain age uh, in this area of the, the land that would have recognised that programme, where policing used to be something that we were proud of and keen to have. These days, they're like sharks driving around ready to pounce on you, and they're not your friend. And so this private road, it made me think, yes, those people in that road, OK, they may be rich and perhaps the road isn't part of the, the council. It is a road that's been specially made and houses put on it. But the signage, it's private. What goes on there has got nothing to do with the rest of the place.
And it made me think that actually that's what we should do in our own domains, in our own castles, if you like. An Englishman has his castle, that this is a private. My house now has a sign on it saying, private, no trespassing. Why should somebody else from the system have anything to do with me? It doesn't. Now, there may be the question that we've all perhaps learning that actually when you buy a property, you're not even buying the land. It's freehold and it's still supposedly is owned by the crown. And that in theory, in theory, that if all else fails, they can still repossess your home and take it away from you. But I would argue that that's not the case. Who gives the crown the right to the land in the first place, as I've mentioned before. You know, just because you've got thugs with sticks and you invade a land like the Normans did, coming over and uh, saying, well, actually, we'll have it and we'll make a record of it in the Doomsday Book and therefore we can prove that it's ours. That's no proof. The creator, whatever that is, that created the earth, didn't say to man, this man can own more than this man. Of course not. Of course that didn't happen. So our little domain must remain private and outside of the system, somewhere where we can feel secure and safe and be able to defend our property, especially if you've spent, as many of us have, a long time paying back a bank that actually materialised the money that they lent to us out of thin air that didn't even exist and we've paid back not only three times the value of the property with interest, that we have paid back money that didn't even exist to begin with. In fact, we generated it the moment we signed the mortgage agreement and we gave them the money and they gave it back to us and we paid it back with interest. Ridiculous scenario. So our little boxes that we live in, these little ticky-tacky boxes that we call our own, must remain private and have nothing more to do with the state, that they cannot come in and we can shut the doors. And unless we give them permission, unless we consent and allow them, we give them jurisdiction, unless we do that, then we remain in private, no trespassing. And we should put those notices up. We should make a point of that and say, no, this is, you can't have access to this. You can't come and kick the door down and put on a smart meter on my wall, generating Wi-Fi that's bad for my health. I don't want it, thank you very much. You can't come in willy-nilly. The key, of course, having told them at the, at the threshold of your property, of the boundary of your property, that this is private and there is no trespassing, is then never to give away your name, this legal fiction name, the name that you appear in capitalization on those bills. When somebody comes a knocking and says, oh, you haven't paid the bill, are you Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so, so-and-so? Don't answer. Don't ask them a question. Who are you? Why do you want to know? What business is it of yours? but never tell them yes or no. Do not admit to being something you're not. Why should you? You're not this legal fiction on a bit of paper, this character that's been written for you when you were born, this act, this act, this, this fictional rubbish that you are supposed to be. If they can't get jurisdiction from you, if they can't get you, a living man, an unnamed spiritual entity in a 
body of flesh and blood. If they can't get... 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Be a part of the conversation and follow TNT Radio on Gab, Getter, and Twitter. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. After over 14 hours of intense debate on January 31st, the House Committee on Homeland Security, composed of 18 Republican members, voted to advance two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to the full House for a final decision. The committee's 15 Democratic members unanimously opposed the referral. House Speaker Mike Johnson has indicated that he expects the House of Representatives to vote on the impeachment measure promptly. However, before the vote can occur, the House Rules Committee, chaired by Tom Cole, needs to set the terms for the House floor debate, including the possibility of floor amendments. When the impeachment measure is brought up to the House floor, 14 Democrats who previously supported House Resolution 957 on January 17th may face a challenging decision regarding Mayorkas' fate. The resolution, which passed the full House with a 225 to 187 vote, will be a key factor in their decision-making process. Carnival, a major cruise line company, has decided to change the routes for 12 of its ships that were originally scheduled to travel through the Red Sea until May of 2024. This decision follows concerns about the safety of civilian ships traveling through the area due to attacks by Iran-backed Houthi forces in Yemen. After consulting with global security experts and governmental authorities, Carnival made the announcement in a press release dated January 30th. The company emphasized its ongoing surveillance of the situation in the Red Sea, prioritizing the safety and security of its passengers and crew. Based in Miami, Florida, Carnival stated this rerouting would likely affect its financial performance, specifically impacting its suggested earnings per share for the entire year of 2024. Shipping industry experts and supply chain analysts agreed that the most effective strategy to ensure the safety of container shipping through the Red Sea is to strengthen Yemen's government. This would enable it to regain control over the Bab al-Mandeb Strait, currently under the influence of the Houthi forces. Bud Dar, executive vice president of the Mediterranean Shipping Company, emphasized the need for a military response to Houthi attacks. However, he cautioned that without re-establishing the type of alliance that effectively countered Somali piracy years ago, Efforts would only address the surface issues. Dar shared these insights with the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee's Coast Guard and Maritime Transportation Subcommittee on January 30th, highlighting the need for robust diplomatic engagement to secure sea lanes rather than solely relying on naval forces. David Heindel, President of the Seafarers International Union, and Jonathan Gold.